People are struggling to have conversations and connect with others that they don't completely agree with on every topic. And I think that's probably the biggest problem that we need to try and solve is how after all this division and after all this separation, do we end up bringing people together again? And what does unity really look like? New Zealand faces some pretty big issues. First one is COVID in the aftermath. There's no getting away from that. Second is racial division. It's been ginned up and it's dangerous. Another issue that maybe people haven't got their head around yet is digital currency. What form does that take? Is it programmable? Will it be used to manipulate behavior and patterns of behavior? Those questions need to be asked and answered. How can you have fair, open, democratic government by people who are appointed? It's a ridiculous idea. And if that idea is taken to its zenith, then this country is in real trouble because democracy, one person, one vote, where every vote is of equal value, has got to be the foundation of a modern New Zealand. What's true, what's not true, how our kids are to be educated. And, you know, I have a great fear for the future. I think we know from history where this could end up. Happy Friday, everybody. It's Friday, September the 8th, and you are listening to the Up Your Brave show. I'm your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, and today we're doing a series of topics. We're talking about caring for yourself and others while standing your ground. I'm going to tell you in a moment about my three amazing guests, but first I wanted to find out how many of you went along to the movie The River of Freedom this week. Um, it, it came out, it had a launch night where it was played in specific theaters across New Zealand. And I went along with thousands of other Kiwis, which was so amazing. So if you haven't seen it, have a look, get yourself along. It's a documentary about the Freedom Convoy and the peaceful protest down in Wellington that ended up not so peaceful, um, but such a great opportunity for other people to see kind of, I guess, both sides of the story, which is very RCR. It's very Reality Check Radio. That's what we're trying to do here is to share both sides of the story, or at least the side of the story that the media often doesn't cover. And that's really what happened in down in Wellington. And so I definitely encourage you to go along and see. It is um, eye-opening, but also uplifting in a way. And it left me feeling positive about the potential of what I call the ripple effect that the movie can have, because it's such a pivotal time now, of course, with the election coming soon. And what other, whatever other fear-based threats or challenges are coming down the way for us, I feel like it's high time that truth and transparency come to the forefront. So if you agree, <laughs> that's awesome. If you're not so sure and you're thinking, oh, I think that Wellington protest went on a bit too long or whatever, I do invite you to open your heart, open your eyes and go along and watch the movie. It is most likely, um, hopefully, going to be screened in other countries as well. Uh, it's an amazing documentary, so check it out. After this, I am going to be playing a song um, by Jason Kerrison, who performed at the protest and backing vocals by one of my today's guests, Jesse Wild. So my guests that I have for you today are Jackie O'Connor from Heart Place Hospital, where they care for the carers, so amazing. She's going to be talking about the multidimensional health and education movement. Then I've got Jesse Wild, musician, uh, guitarist, singer-songwriter. He'll be talking about standing your ground and how he managed to keep gigging and be the most booked 
the most booked, unjabbed, live-performing musician right through lockdown. And to wrap up the show, I'm going to be talking to Carrie Dell. Uh, she's actually a coach from Mind Valley. Uh, she's amazing. She has a program called Vitality Goddess, and she'll be talking about frequency activation for body and belief. But before we dive into those interviews, let's go back to some reflections on last week's show. I'm going to read to you a few messages that we got. And remember, you can always text us 2057 or email inbox at realitycheck.radio. And by the way, heads up, we've got an app in the pipeline. Very exciting. More on that later. Thank you so much to Christine for writing in. Hi, Natalie. As usual, your show on Friday is full of valuable, helpful talk topics with guests sharing the life experiences and have motivated them to find more satisfying ways of being and living. We are blessed through RCR to hear your guests' insightful views. Oh, thank you so much, Christine. This next one here, Natalie, beautiful words. They resonate with me so much. Welcome to the 50s this month. Happy birthday. Yes, if you haven't heard, I am turning 50 at the end of the month on the 29th. Uh, very exciting. And I'm actually going to try later this week to try on my, my prom dress from when I was 16. Um, so that'll be fun um, because I'm going to celebrate with um, my party, which is prom night theme. So uh, we've got a message here. This one was sent in to Rodney, but they mentioned my show. So thank you, Amber, for writing in. It was so good to hear you and Bob McCroskey talk in Queenstown, this is to Rodney, regarding the proposed sexual health curriculum in schools. It left me feeling very disturbed for a few days until I was listening to Up Your Brave by Natalie Cutler-Welsh, and they were discussing the taboo emotion of anger and how it actually is a powerful energy to make change. So here goes my brainwave. Dance lessons in schools. Dancing teaches body awareness, expression, consent, and connection, not to mention it's a very social and super fun thing to do. Students will have a better space to learn. Sorry, let me read this again. Um, students will have a better space to respect each other and have a laugh, which is just what the world needs. Amber, I love that idea. I think it's so amazing. I think that would be cool. You know, in my son's school, they teach them dance, but they teach them ballroom dancing. Um, but I, I, what you're talking about is more like, you know, your body and moving your body and the rhythm and just and powerful connection and, and confidence and everything like that. I agree. So I think that's a great idea. Uh, we've got one here. Hi, Natalie. Love your show. I think. Sorry, I just got to scroll in with my Nana eyes. One second. <laughs> Okay, I think I read this in Tom Hopkins' book, The Official Guide to Success. Luck is where preparation meets opportunity. Please don't give me the story that it's all about luck. Get up early, exercise, eat healthy, surround yourself with dynamic people, and you'll start to see the results. Also, when you feel fear, realize it's often your trigger that you're starting you're staring opportunity in the face. I love that. Thank you, Jan from Tauranga for writing in. That is such great advice. And that book sounds amazing. All right. That is it. I think we, yeah, I think that's it. Um, thank you so much to those people that do write in. We love your encouragement. We love your criticisms too. So whatever comes down the path, we're happy to, to receive it. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR Reality Check Radio. 
Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Up Your Brave show on Reality Check Radio, and I'm your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh. Next, I'm chatting with Jackie O'Connor. She's located in Mungify. Jackie is a NZ-registered nurse, mother of two girls, and a CEO and founder of the Heart Place Hospital. We're going to be talking about the multidimensional health and education movement. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you so much, Natalie. So amazing to have you here. For those of you that haven't met Jackie before, Jackie O'Connor is a pioneering philanthropist, visionary system disruptor, leading a multidimensional healing health and education movement. Soak that in. Jackie has been a New Zealand registered nurse for 28 years with experience in health psychology and qualifications with the Whole Health Medicine Institute with Lisa Rankin, MD. It is Jackie's mission to support everyone, including our young people, to understand their body and mind and to not be ashamed of themselves, to be comfortable with the changes they're going through, and to trust their bodies and minds. And with Heart Place Hospital, she cares for our carers and future carers, as these wonderful individuals are the people who serve our most vulnerable citizens, our children, the sick, and the elderly. Wow, that is amazing. I'm so excited to hear all about it. Thank you. I love sharing it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to ask you all about how it started. But before I do that, in general, um, Mm. let us know, because you and I have been connecting on Instagram, we've been messaging back and forth. Mm. um, But I'd love to know, how have the last three years been for you, you know, personally, Mm. and also in your business? Mm. I think, um, in general, I'd say it's been like riding a roller coaster (laughs) that you never get off. (laughs) Um, So parts of the ride are amazing. Um, and in, in parts, so in partly intense um, grief, and then partly intense joy. <laughs> so, um, but to get off the roller coaster, yeah. And and what's that been about? So, have you been quite immersed in this, um, the Heart Place Hospital, throughout the past three years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, for me, Heart Place Hospital became really apparent seven years ago through my own lived experience. And um, and then the last three years has really solidified that that it was just so important. So seven years ago, um, I experienced um, what I call my Mack truck moment. So um, figuratively hit by a Mack truck, and I um, and I I all through my career, all through my adult working life, I'd had um, pr- pretty much yearly annual burnouts, and it, it was always sort of seen as um, normalised. But particularly in that in that nursing um, and woman and motherhood um, space, and but seven years ago I really did it had a really good doozy, and it was then that I decided that if I had a choice, I could go back to what I was doing, or I could or I could try and do something different, and um, and so I chose to kind of look at it in a different way. And that's when I realised that I actually wasn't alone, that there was a whole bunch of us that were going through this spiral. And um, so through my own healing journey, I just discovered so much that I'd never been, um, I'd never been modelled, I'd never read in books, I'd never seen in movies, none of those things. And and it was in that exploration and on that journey that literally my whispers or my intuition was was saying to me, care for the carers. So when you asked me about the last three years, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, wow, I've been saying this for four years before this happened. Um, So hence why I call myself a visionary. Like it was really, I feel like 
I was Mac trapped or tapped on the shoulder early to, in preparation for what is now such a critical um, gap within our health and education and and parenting support. So um, so the in- intense joy is like, yay! I wasn't going crazy. There, there was a whole reason for me to be Mac trapped and to to learn these lessons and to be brave enough to sh- to show up and not just show up, but stand up, show up, speak up and stay standing. Um, and, and then the intense kind of grief side of it is seeing um, how we n- now have people like myself who are visionaries, who are grassrooting things and how slow it is to implement it. So that's probably the, the grief part of it, um, but also there's, there's probably joy out of that too because it's expanded and enhanced and, and helped me grow too. So, yeah. It's interesting how, and this happens with so many people, it is the pattern of, you know, we go through something and then once we've navigated it and come out the other sides, so we're not still stuck in the experience. We are able to turn around, or I love the way you said, show up, speak up and stay standing. We are able to turn around and help others. You know, I talk about how I help the people who help the people. Um, and I do that through visibility and impact, but you care for the carers. Tell me more about what that looks like and what are the things they struggle with? I imagine it is burnout and exhaustion, but what are the things that you see coming up time and time again for the carers? Yeah. So, um, we hear burnout, we hear burnout quite a bit. It's kind of a bit of a buzzword. Um, and I mean, that looks like that you have no care left, (laughs) um, and, and you're exhausted beyond exhausted. And, um, so your care factor zero. Um, but I think it's, I think there's more to it really. I think, um, I believe, you know, it's a moral injury. It's, it's a compassionate fatigue. Um, and I believe that we've been modelled um, a way of living that we're fundamentally, wholeheartedly not designed to live by. So I um, have place hospitals for all humanity. Um, however, um, 90% of our most trusted frontliners are women. And so a lot of the work that um we support at Heart Place Hospital is around the cyclical being and, and returning back to nature of of being um, in the feminine energy and the feminine, um, and we actually function, f- females function in an infradian cycle, whereas our society and, and our institutions are set up in a circadian cycle. So to me, it's like a real no-brainer, like we are, we're, we're not going to be able to sustain and keep a simple health and education system if we keep thrashing our front our frontliners and um you know use me as a example <laughs> um it was it was a regular regular occurrence to burn out um and I just I thought I wasn't I thought I wasn't strong enough I thought I wasn't resilient enough I thought I wasn't you know I wasn't meant to be in this role um, and then along my journey, I realized I was everything enough. I was more than enough. <laughs> um, it was, wasn't me that was broken. It was the system that was broken. And it was the system that was telling me that I was broken. And it, so it's this vicious, vicious cycle. So we were starting to having to care for our carers, you know, so our carers that we vitally need um, for our most vulnerable citizens were then needing to be cared for. So it just it just didn't make any sense to me. Um, and what making sense of my whole life 
journey was starting to make sense. So uh, the reason I've called it Heart Place Hospitals is that I started life as a heart kid. So I'd open heart surgery as an eight-year-old. So I've had a health journey. I've been through a health journey as a child. And I've also been through um, an era where we were behavioralized. So, you know, I was an indigenous, um, highly sensitive uh, female in this world where I was taught that I was right or wrong, good or bad, broken or fixed. And it was through that healing journey seven and a half years ago that that I had epiphanies and veils were lifted and all those all those things. And I was like, whoa, actually, hang on a minute. I fundamentally don't fit in to the way that society is set up. And but I but I absolutely hard out belong in in longing, have a longing to belong. And so I can actually create and craft a life that best suits me so that I can show up and still be this healer that I that I was born to be. And then I started looking around and like I didn't like I there was no plan here. This was it was all soul-led. And um it started seven years ago with workshops in my lounge. And I would invite midwives or nurses or teachers or parents. Um and and that's what that's where it started. It started in a in a lounge room, <laughs> you know, in a on my couch at home. Um, because I just thought if I don't know this and I'm highly educated and have had a really nourishing, nurturing upbringing, then who else doesn't know this? Yeah. You know, a lot of people talk about businesses starting in a garage. <laughs> I started I started mine in my lounge as well, coffee groups in the lounge with a local businesswoman. So interesting. Yeah. What um what are some things that my audience can do? So people listening, some of them will and some won't be frontline workers, but we are all volatile and susceptible to working too hard, or I think you talked about compassion fatigue. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you'd love to share with us that can help us to not go down that path of being overly exhausted or burnt out. So how Heart Place Hospital works is that um, frontliners enroll and they're triaged. So um, through that, so it's very bespoke. So it's not a one size fits all. So if you prefer group work or or private sessions or in-person or virtual, or or there's also um, a physical Heart Place Hospital in Mungify. The first of many is the plan mm. and uh, or vision. And um, the accommodation is for burnt out frontliners. They come with a support person because one reason for safety. The second reason is that that support person is always in burnout too. They just didn't realise. And thirdly, so that they can go home and they are a barometer of one another of what they've learnt so that they it can, you know, you, you're taking more away than. So it's a live in experience, is it? Yeah, so there's opportunity for accommodation, but there's also this bespoke. So if you prefer virtual or online, uh, I mean online or in person, if um, the hospital is also a satellite clinic, so um, we have um, over 70 service providers who um, who uh, who are traditionally trained in health or education, and then they have cutting edge modalities. So very much um, mind, body, soul. So um, I use the word multidimensional or innovative or integrative um, whole health support. So um, a, there's um, a lot of frontliners will be familiar with EAP and that that is just 
talk therapy. So Heart Place Hospital is is looking at the whole multidimensional being, um, the whole mind, body, and soul. Um, and so, um, so there's satellite clinics. So, so the um, service providers will come and, and use the um, hospital as a satellite clinic and workshop. So, so it's um, the it's pretty much um, offers that our traditional hospital doesn't necessarily share. Um, but a lot around understanding and celebrating our body and mind, um, a lot around using um, somatic support, creativity, um, innate wisdom, um, um, feminine wisdom. Um, so really, um, and this is where the system disruptor comes into it. So really supporting our frontliners to heal their boundary wounds. So a lot of frontliners go into the role because They've got an unmet need, mm. um, which is that they they were looking for to be cared for. So they go into caring roles to to fulfil their unmet need. So looking at boundary um, supporting their boundary wounds, um, supporting them to advocate for themselves and others. Um, as frontliners, we are um, you know representing ourselves, but also um, our most vulnerable citizens. And then really crafting a life that best suits them. So um, I talk about system disrupting all the time about um, about our frontliners looking at becoming more um, like contractors, so that they're exchanging energy for energy rather than time for money. Um, and then um, and everybody's a winner. So not only of our frontliners and good form, and they're able to show up at their best self, but also that ripple effects off to our most vulnerable citizens who who are needing support at this time um and you know none of us are immune after the last three years <laughs> all of us are looking for you know a little bit of loving at some point um so if we've got really loved up love rock stars as our frontliners then um I just to me it's just a no-brainer it's just it's just a fast way for us to ripple effect out actually here's a way that we can all go back to how we were designed um, and we were all designed to be our own best healers and our own best lovers first. Um, however, for, for generations and generations, we've been put in front of, you know, um, schooling systems and um, and institutions um, who, like I said before, have behavioralized us and um, and conditioned us, lots of conditioning around what success is, um, to me, success is as if I'm in spaces where I feel like I belong and I feel safe, then to me, I'm I'm having a really successful life. Um, whereas a lot of our education system and our health system is it's quite different still. Yeah. There's definitely still that culture, and part of it is the Kiwi thing, like the soldier on, you know, must you know, keep going. Part of it is that I think that that woman thing where, you know, you can be anything, you can do it all. And it's like, yeah. that sounds exhausting to have to do it all. So part of it's, you know, there's so many layers to it. Mm. Um, and part of it is like not so much tall poppy, but, um, you know, when we, when we want to look after ourselves, that can be seen by some people as like selfish or not prioritizing others above yourself and all that. So I think it's so important. These principles, even though it's really targeted and what you do is for burnt out front frontliners or frontliners that need more support which they definitely do some of the the strategies or the reminders are so relevant for everybody at this time oh hundred oh, oh, percent and and that's i mean pr pr pretty you know this is 
this is this is what I just think like it's for everybody. But if if we can get those who who um and for so many of us who have been in the front line, we really have been undervalued and underrespected and undersupported and undercared yes. for, for for so long. Um, if you look back into history, um, women got the first vote in New Zealand in 1893, and then um, America didn't get the woman's first vote until 21 years later. So um, New Zealand's really, you know, potentially the pioneering potential in New Zealand's huge. So that's why I call myself a pioneering philanthropist and why I call Heart Place Hospital such a dedicated pioneering institution. Um, and then at the same time of that, of, of that history is when our institutions started to um, put our nurses and teachers, for example, as, as a cost. Um, and we all know as business owners, we don't invest in our costs, we, we cut our costs. So for um, you know, a good many, many, many years, we've been cutting cutting the costs of of our absolutely vital um, carers' professions, um, and and consequently now we're you know we're seeing them either leave the profession um, or or leave the country. So we're we're really missing out on some some valuable expertise. And um, and so Heart Place Hospital is an opportunity for us to to say to our frontliners, hey, we care, we care about you, we want you to stay, and you know you don't have to be burnt out, falling on the ground. You can just be like, actually, you know what? I just I need I need a top up before I fall. You know, I want to stay topped up. Um, so there's no, you don't have to be unwell. You you have you can come in and um, access the support so that you don't get unwell. So we're a preventative support. Mm. Um, yeah. that's, that, we, we, we want to be at the top. We don't want to be the ambulance at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. the proactive, yeah, being proactive. I, I see, I hear what you're saying, seen as a cost rather than an invaluable resource. I mean, which is what, uh, resource is a funny word for people, but, you know, they're invaluable, definitely. And it's like, if they go, to, it's like in a family, if mom goes down, you know, everyone goes down. It's like, you got to keep the frontliners healthy and, and happy. And exactly, don't wait for them to be like on their knees, exhausted before you open the door type thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. So really normalizing, like I am, um, part of my visibility is normalizing that, um, you know, we, we, we're meant to be mad, sad, bad, and glad all in one millisecond, you know, like, and, and, um, and if, even if you look at, um, our, our workforce at the moment, 400,000 in, um, in our workforce in New Zealand are women in their perimenopausal age group. And if you look at UK st statistics, if we lose, um, we, we lose 1%. So we're losing some really vital resources, um, by not supporting them, um, by not being um, seen, by not being um, um, innovative about um, being creative and pioneering um, change so that we can return back to, to nature just as we are. We're the, we're the only living beings on, on, on earth that don't actually follow nature. <laughs> like we're so in our heads that we um, we think we're, we're above it. Um, but when we actually slip back into nature and that that was part of my healing process was really returning back to being a quite a cyclical um part of nature um then my head my 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 health my my vitality my my um my body my mind my soul everything just just bloomed you know and I I feel longer leaner better than I have um as I in and I'm nearing um, my fiftieth birthday than I ever have in my entire life. So, 
Um, and 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 I const this is the feedback I get from the visitors to Heart Place Hospital. Like it's just constant, constant feedback of wow, I didn't know this when you tell la, la, like this. So I'm like, I know, me too. <laughs> yeah. So um I know it's something that you teach people over a period of time, but for our listeners today, can you mm. elaborate on that concept? Mm. Because some people won't know what you're talking about. And I vaguely think I know, but I'm not sure. Mm. What do you mean that in terms of like living that that different, you know, not the cyclical or the calendar way? Can you elaborate on that just so we get a little bit of a gist or we can take one little nugget of gold from it oh, yeah. and, and possibly apply? Yeah, I think um, what... Um, society is wanting women to show up in what I call our spring or summer and we're very seasonal um so we're infradian very moon cyclical whereas um our, our, our men are very uh, um circadian so sun so their energy is high in the morning and gets low at night and that continues day in day out whereas women our energy our emotions our appetite our um our our everything is different every single day. And so um our society is wanting wanting us to show up in our high vibe. Um and so then when we um but we have this amazing cycle where we have real high energy and then we have an opportunity to rest and repair. Mm. And um I always like to call it doing the she for the we um because the female energy is actually the most potent and powerful energy. And it's time we started acting like it um, through um, patriarchy, through um, our institutions. We have um, quashed that. And um, my case, my my um, experience in point was I look back now, now that I understand all that, is that I thought um, I was hopeless and useless and and lacked resilience and all the rest. But what I now know is I was in my more rest and repair part of my cycle and um but I was still trying to push on mm. um so the be- beautiful part of um women is that we we have a beautiful flow energy we're very um creative you know we can create life but we can also equally create amazing um you know we have visions that we can bring to life um and um very very solution focused um always think it's really interesting i've co-authored a book letters to a future nurse with 21 international nurses amazing and um it's really interesting because there's a study showing that um we're relevant the nurses story is only shared two percent of the time in, in news and media and when i sit with that what i what i see it is is that because we're so solution focused that our stories aren't shared. So, um, and for me, that motivates me to keep showing up um, and speaking up and staying standing. That's really important. I keep um, alluding to that because in the past I used to speak up, but I didn't have the energy to stay standing and I didn't see any other examples of women staying standing. I do now. Mm. I do now. So I feel like such a sense of a belonging. I was always trying to fit in. Whereas now I feel a real sense of belonging because I, I'm finding other women now who um, and men who equally support us. Um, I've got two men on my board, and um, and my husband's a huge supporter of of this movement. Um, so uh, equally men, um, it's so important that they understand this too. Um, so I've talked a little bit about the cycle, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about the perimenopause and menopause because 
that gets a real hard um, rap out in our society. And it's yes, all... let's do it. And we haven't covered that at all in my show yet. So dive yeah, in. Oh, cool. Oh, well, that's my favorite topic. Mm-hmm. One of um, that and sacred sexuality is another one, but that might be another another time. But um, mm-hmm. perimenopause, really, really powerful, potent time. And again, um, in society, we hear a lot about balancing and fixing our hormones. Um, I believe our hormones aren't the problem. They reveal the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I could go into easily into a lot of the um, symptoms that come out of menopause. And, and when you when we flip it and look at it as what it's revealing, it becomes so much more obvious. What we're seeing a lot of, uh, we're seeing a lot, you know, all through these archetypes, so through menstruation, through motherhood. Um, so through menstruation, we we take a pill to not get pregnant. And then through motherhood, we take a pill because we're trying to get pregnant. And then through menopause, we then take some more medication to to help us get through. And I get it. I get it. I, I get it has to happen at the moment because we aren't we aren't living um a life, we aren't living in within institutions and within a society that supports us to show up as we are in that given moment. Um, however, my my big vision, my big dream is that we do have a, a um, society where um, we can show up and um, and we can craft that life that best suits us so that we don't have to hamster wheel it. We don't have to be somewhere at a certain time and put that stress, stress and pressure on ourselves. Um, and then um, we can actually listen to what our hormones are revealing to us rather than trying to fix and balance them. Yeah. And what a different concept. I mean, it's the whole thing about the body talks to us and it tells us what's going on, but we often don't listen. I actually have a few friends, um, women in business, and they they do, they plan their calendar or their launches of their events or workshops, or they'll never book a speaking gig, you know, when they know they've got their period because they allow themselves time to rest and just recoup and not put pressure on themselves. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I, I mean, my my one of my big hairy audacious dreams is that New Zealand becomes the first country to have a four day menstrual cycle policy throughout the country. Yeah, oh, so, so that would be days off work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and, and I think I think it could happen. I, I actually truly believe it can happen. It's interesting and, though because in my experience, um, having one daughter and two boys, in my experience. Some people, because some people experience that time of having their their menstrual cycle so intensely in terms of pain and, you know, flow and just really they're down for the count. Whereas other people, you know, kind of, it's just another day to a certain extent. Like I just find some people just have such a hard time and others don't. Mm -hmm. You're welcome to like totally contradict me here. But um, so I feel like that four day thing would be amazing and so needed for some people, you know, but for other people, they might not need it, but it might be, it might be a, a bonus. Well, I mean, the, the, there's a bigger picture to it because we would be, obviously we would be um, educating our young woman around the power of the menstrual cycle and mm. how potent and powerful and how amazing it is. And my last bedside nursing role was in a school, a girls, all girls school. And um, I had 800 young women who looked forward to their period every month because I, you know, I supported them to understand and celebrate it. And um, so we would, we would, so we would be tracking our cycles from a very early age and living within our cycle from a very early age. 
And so therefore, um, when it came to fertility, we, we would be able to use um, a natural fertility support. So again, not, not interrupting our, our cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's huge statistics around a massive increase in depression when we put um, teenagers onto hormonal contraception. So Interesting, right? They might have gorgeous skin and no acne, but they're going to be feeling really low. Yeah, that's right. Because we've, we've switched off their most potent um, energy, their feminine energy. So um, a huge studies galore and, and um, it's still it's still new to a lot of people. Um, I have lots of GPs who refer lots of young women um, and I they're on the hormonal contraception and an antidepressant. So it's a lot to untangle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so we would we would be able to support natural family planning. We would be able to therefore see a lot um, more improvement in fertility, and um, and then we would be really super aware of when we transition again to the next archetype and be able to really craft life to support that, so that we're not losing you know our most vital vital um, support workers or our vital potent workers. So um, if you think about um, so our um, average age of a teacher and a nurse is 48 and that's right smack bang in the middle of perimenopause. So if we lose 1% of our frontliners now when we're in such a critical state, that's that's really, you know, quite frightening for, um, for all citizens of New Zealand, you know, like for all of us, we're all going to need support at some point. So um yeah, for me, it's, for me, it's, it, um, but I know I'm always before my time. So mm-hmm. um, if someone's listening to this <laughs> and then five years time, um, you, you're welcome to come back and go, um, you said this five years ago. <laughs> yeah, we finally caught up with your vision. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And and that's, I think that's part of my intense, um, my intense grief when it comes to the roller coaster. Like, I'm like, I can see it now. It will work so well. And, um, and I have to wait for everyone else to catch up with me. So, yeah. So what I'm hearing from you is this kind of like, not so much permission, but permission and encouragement to have some dedicated downtime, we'll call it, or recoup or just time rather than go, go, go until you burn out and then we'll come and hopefully we can get you back on your feet. Yeah. yeah. I talked, I talked to a lot of um, women, uh, wise women. So generation above, above me. And, um, and I'm like, you know, you did it. You did a great job with the feminist stuff. It was great. You know, the whole equality, but now can we have, can we have equity now? Like, can we have what we actually need rather than have the same? (laughs) Um, so there's a lot of there's a bit of untangling to do there and um and remembering of our innate wisdom that yeah we we are human beings not human mm. doings um but I, I mean I mean guys they're not they're not human doings either they're they're the protector they're the um security they're the cheerleaders um and we are the visionaries and the um and the creatives um and um and we we need each other the yin and the yang you know we need the we need the masculine side to us the structures and then we also need the creative side so um but yeah with our patriarchal um, institutions we are very much focused on the masculine um and and no wonder that there's a lot of disease you know a lot of mental and physical disease because our our environments and our experiences manifest our our mental and physical reality so 
um, that's, you know, that's becoming quite mainstream now for people to understand that. Um, and we can't, there's just no way we can sustain a health and education system by, by symptom controlling. We need to get to root cause. Yeah. And for someone who has dedicated to um, get to my own root cause and then I support others to do that, it's really not, it's, it's actually like, it's worth it, you know, like it's, it's actually worth it. Like your life just, it goes, it just enhances and expands and is delicious. And that's part of the roller coaster that's intense joy. Do you feel like right now, and I talk about this a lot, you know, especially off the back of the last three years, people are more open to leaning in or looking back or self-understanding, self-discovery, personal development, call it what you want. But even that when you talked earlier about um, the boundary, I think you talked about the boundary, supporting our boundary wounds. Do you feel like people are more curious about that stuff? And as a result, they're able to get to the root cause and be a better version of well than ever before when they just kind of, you know, pop a pill for the symptoms and move on? I do. And I, part of that is, um, which is the part of the roller coaster that I love because I've been saying it for seven years, which is, you know, many people have been saying it for decades. So I'm, I'm, I'm still fledging, really. Um, so part of it's like, yay, <laughs> yay. Um, and then the other part, like I think, you know, part of my visibility is is to be an influencer. And I've been I've been tall poppied, I've been alienated, I've been everything for, for being visible. I'm sure you have too. Um, and but but I stay standing. I keep talking about staying standing because, you know, it's it's those people that go, you know, I saw you, Jackie, when you were literally crawling across the floor, and now look at you smiling and glowing. And and um I think, well. I want what she's got. And that's what I had too. You know, I had these magical mentors and I would look at them and go, I want what she's got. Um, or, you know, I want what they've got. And you you spoke it to at the beginning, you know, we're literally leaning down and pulling those from, um, up from where we were. And and for me, it's the frontliners. For me, it's, it's the teachers, nurses, emergency services, midwives, and our parents, because they're supporting our 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 future carers, you know, our our change makers and our chain breakers. Our kids, our kids, our grandkids, mine and your grandkids will be like, Grandma, did you really live like that? And we'll be like, Yeah, we did. I <laughs> know. <laughs> um, I think I think massive change will happen. Um, we'll see it in our lifetime. Um, and our 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 grandkids will see it. Um, and I don't, yeah, I can't see how our kids will have their kids um, educated and and um, and lack of sovereignty and consent and body autonomy that that we've seen a lot of our um, our kids and ourselves go through. Yeah, yeah, that we've in a way allowed. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, I have to accept it, you know, because, and I realise that I'm a bridge, you know, I've I've lived both worlds, mm-hmm. um, so I'm a bridge between the two worlds, and um, I didn't know what I didn't know, and then, but once I knew, I I didn't sit back down again. I stayed standing, um, and um, yeah, and just whatever seeds we can plant is being visible and staying standing then then it means that someone else doesn't have to go to the school of hard knocks um and and shift can happen you know shift can happen and and that was the question have I seen a chance yes I have and it well excites me I'm like (laughs) yay 
And I love, uh, I just feel like I belong more than I ever have in my life because it feels where, where I'm meant to be. I feel like I'm in my true nature. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I, I don't know. I feel like my, my truth radar has been pulled out of me. So I only speak my truth and, and I sharp as my true self. And I, and, um, yeah, I just put myself into positions that I, places, positions, people, that lift me up and um you know we read these memes and things on instagram but actually living it it's just like it's really cool it's really cool and and yeah every day um in every way and this is this is because of heart place hospital i'm just connected with more and more people who who are like you know what, i'm curious or i've and, and that's why um we triage them to see how much curiosity that you know how much where have you been how far have you gone like are you are you at you know, are we going to support you with self-care first? Do you need some mindset support or are you ready for some energy work? Um, and so that's within our triage. We can bespoke what what they actually, um, what each individual actually needs rather than what we see in our health system now as yeah. you know, one-stop one shop. Yeah, I think we are going to see definitely a move towards more of this um, frequency energy healing Things that have been around for a long time, but have been, as you say, like kind of squashed or put to the side, they're going to, I think, take a little bit more of a prominent place as they should, yeah. I believe, going forward. Yeah, no, my, the service providers at Heart Place Hospital are, uh, um, you know, quantum healers. Um, they're, they're traditionally trained medicine people, and then they have, um, you know, magic. Their magic has, has enhanced, and, they, and they're now sharing their magic. Um and and that's exactly what happened to me. I I, I was born a healer, but all I could see was nursing mm. um, to use that. And then now I can see that the magic that I that I can um, share with the world is um, is is Heart Place Hospital. And I um, yeah, I just I know I know this is I know exactly what you said. Exactly what the future is going to be like. We're going to be we're going to be accessing energy work. Um, but and we've got great science out there too. Amazing science. Like you know, I worked in science for nearly thirty years, so I still love the science. Um, but it's it's also about empowering or remembering. We don't need to be empowered. We've got it within us already. Um, but remember that we've got the power within us already, and we are our own best healers and um, lovers first. And then we use, um, you know, our healing round table to walk, walk alongside us and um, use the expertise and meet us with our expertise. And and we're just so more, much more potent together. So, yeah. Well, I am happy to be, you know, to stand, be standing and speaking up beside you as well. I'm going to ask you, what is one thing you've done, Jackie, in the past year to up your brave? Well, um, I, I went from... Um, well, we first of all, we I kind of it's kind of like a um something I do all the time is radical action. So we we actually sold Auckland and moved to Mungify um so that we could open the first physical hospital. And um, so that we live quite unconventionally uh, for that reason. And um but also I had a really thriving um business and I literally Move that into a charity space. <laughs> I have like um 
And sometimes I say, if I'd known what's gonna, how much work that was going to be, I'm not sure I would have done it. But that really fits for me. It really fits that Heartpass Hospital is a New Zealand registered charity. Mm-hmm. We are providing this innate wisdom and this um, this birthright um, to our frontliners so that it can ripple effect off to our, 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 um, our most vulnerable citizens. And then the other thing that I did was I um, went to a She Evolves event in Fiji this year and spoke oh. on international stage speaking to um global women leaders um about Heart Place Hospital. So um and, and authored um co-authored um letters to a future nurse with 21 international nurse, nurses. So it's been a big year. <laughs> it has been a big year. And I imagine you ticked a few things off your bucket list, like write a book. Um, what do you have on your bucket list? Something you'd love to do, be or experience that we can possibly help you with? Yeah. Um I think like my big uh one would be to to author my own book or or two. Um, and that will happen. Um, but my big one is I really um, look forward to being on international stage and sharing that said book and um, my journey to creating um, a multidimensional healing, health and education mm-hmm. system, not just a movement. Yeah. Um, and I would really love to see New Zealand having um, a... Um, supporting women in, in um, our institutions of education and health in all in all parts of society so a four-day menstrual cycle um policy I'd, I'd love to see that in New Zealand yeah I'd love I'd love us to pioneer that okay so if anyone out there has connections for the speaking on international stages or helping to create move this movement forward and make it more of a um a system, as Jackie said, then definitely get in touch with her. How can people get in touch with you? And also, if people out there are listening um, and they know frontline workers that are verging on burnout or not, or, or kind of heading down that path, send them to Heart Place Hospital. Where can they find you? Yeah, so heartplacehospital.org.nz. And then on Facebook and Instagram is Heart Place Hospital. Um, so heart is in the organ. Um, and um, I'm also on LinkedIn as well, and, um, and I'm always sharing events, um, satellite clinics, and um, the accommodation as well. Um, and then there's opportunity for um, becoming a sponsor or a donor, or um, totally happy to be hooked up with any benefactors out there as well. <laughs> Lots of opportunity for people to um, send people your way or get in get in touch and support. It's going to be amazing. I do think there's going to be a massive transformation in terms of health and wellness and the way we work. I know there has kind it started off the back of the last three years, but even it's just going to I think um, accelerate, and I'm excited about it too in the next three years. I think. Yeah, yeah, and I think like for Heart Place Hospital, you know, we can we can all do our little businesses, but with Heart Place Hospital, you can be part of a collective. So rather than everyone like, you know, doing starting a business and putting all the energy into it, we can actually collectively go, hey, here's here's um, here's a system that works. Be part of it, you know, and and you benefit. We all benefit. Um, we all live in abundance. We all do what we love doing um, and very, very much focused about energy for energy as opposed to energy um, time for money. Yeah. Amazing. What is coming up for you in the next few months, like either personally or in with Heart Place Hospital? Anything on the on yeah. the so, um 
So tomorrow at Heart Place Hospital in Mangafai, we've got shaking medicine mm-hmm. so with a shaking medicine facilitator. And then um, we've got uh, next month, we've got a um, soul coaching collage workshop. So what month? So you're talking about October or September? Yeah, September. So tomorrow is uh, 26th of August. And then 17th of September, we've got soul coaching collage here at um, Heart Place Hospital. Um, we're also supporting a girls' empowerment retreat in Mangafai with a menstrual cycle educator. Um, and we um, also have the seventh round of Sacred Nectar, which is a sacred sexuality workshop. Um, and then in between all that, um, we triage out to our service providers in, in mind, body and soul, uh, multidimensional healing, health and education. So lot, we've got, uh, yeah, um, traditionally trained teachers and health workers who who facilitate um, and um and also um, personally, I well personally and professionally, um, scouting down the South Island for a second heart place hospital location. Ooh, so put it um, out there. Yeah. So the, the vision is to have um, heart place hospitals all throughout New Zealand. So in what all- size are you thinking? Like, I don't know how big your Mungify is, but when you say we're scouting out for a new site, what either square footage or how many rooms? Where the that doesn't have that there's no set anything yeah mm. we we can make everything work yeah because we're we're about bespoke being individualized and sp- bespoke and making things work being creative we, we're using what god gave us our creativity so um yeah even if someone's got you know space um you know space in a back room <laughs> we'll consider it um and um yeah our space in Mungafire is is um is a bit it's like a MacGyver we we can open it up to one big huge space or we can put it into a clinic room or into some um to into um hospital rooms so um yeah um that's um that's um fundraising now through grants um to have a accessible bathroom installed into there so that's um part of being a philanthropist (laughs) well lots of exciting things on the calendar i definitely want to hear more about that girls empowerment event that you've got but all of them what we'll do everyone if you're listening you can go of course and get in touch with jackie heartplacehospital.org.nz we will also put the links on the replay page so if you're listening to this now if you're listening to the live stream pretty soon or already it will be up you simply go to realitycheck.radio slash replays and then just click on up your brave and you'll see, you'll see Jackie's lovely smiling face on the image and you can click on that and you will find a, a blurb about her as well as all of these links so that you can get in touch. Um, Jackie, what, um, is there anything else that you'd love to share with our audience? Any final messages or what do you wish Kiwis knew? What do you want to share with us before we wrap it up? Uh, I think, um, I think I just want to come in with my kind of hope merchant, love rock star, and um and just let people know that there are many of us who are creating grassroots solutions for what is looking pretty dire out there so I just want to give everyone hope and just reiterate you know we we've pioneered so much in New Zealand so why not be pioneering um pioneers in our health and education system that it is simple and sustainable and that's and that's um that would be my big dream is that we have a simple and sustainable health and education system and I know that we can do it. 
Exactly. Where everyone is honored and appreciated for the amazing work they do. Yeah. Perfect. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jackie, for sharing your wisdom with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Great. And thank you everyone for listening. We've been talking to Jackie O'Connor. The topic was the multidimensional health and education movement. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. It was so great to chat with Jackie O'Connor. We met in a variety of ways. We were just meant to meet because um, somebody that I'd worked with in the past in the business world referred her to me. And then I think I stumbled upon her on Instagram. And then another person, Lisa Black, former guest on the show, also suggested her. So she kind of came um, from three directions. It was meant to be. And we talked about so many interesting things today. We talked about compassion fatigue, about the burnt out frontliners, which is a, a massive concern and an ongoing concern. Um, and I love her concept of caring for the carers. She talked about Mack truck moments, doing the she for the we and why it's important to show up, speak up, and stay standing. And I know that she helps so many people to do that, to rest, recover, and then to stay standing. You can learn more about HeartPlace Hospital at heartplacehospital.org.nz. You can also look up HeartPlace Hospital, as well as Jackie O'Connor on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Check out our brand new RCR Foundation Members Club. Go to www.realitycheck.radio slash members and join now. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio. Next, I'm talking to Jesse Wild, a longtime friend of mine who is also a music producer, owner of a TV and recording studio, a live performing musician. And in fact, the title of today's talk, he is the most booked, unjabbed live performing musician through the lockdown. Welcome to the show, Jesse. How are you doing, Natalie? So, so good. I'm excited to dive into this. I haven't, I haven't interviewed a musician on my show before. Um, so if, for those of you that don't know Jesse, born to an East Auckland family, Jesse Wilde started playing the guitar at age 11 after watching a TV rerun of the Elvis 68 comeback special. Jesse played in a couple of garage bands as a kid before working in the construction industry for a brief stint. At 19, he quit his job to gig and record with his first serious successful band, Acoustic Attitude, before going on to record his first solo project when the band ended after three years. Jesse then embarked on a music-inspired pilgrimage of the United States where he met his three music heroes, John Mellencamp, Bob Seger, and Steve Earle. Upon his return to New Zealand, Jesse started recording his second solo project with a new band while also studying for a New Zealand certificate in contemporary music performance art. At the same time, he got signed to what turned out to be a frustrating record label deal, compelling him to build his own recording studio. Jesse now works from his second recording studio, a 1955 ex-clothing factory and former derelict inner city meth lab <laughs> that he and his partner, Kath, have transformed into the world-class wild recording studio, Studio 38, in the heart of Auckland City. Jesse's current band, the Jesse Wild Band, is an Americana rock trio he formed with Earl Robertson on drums and Ben Jurisich on lead guitar. Jesse has recorded over 10 albums in his career so far, and he regularly performs gigs around New Zealand. Ooh, what a amazing journey that that has been for you. 
I'm excited that definitely you guys, we will play one of Jesse's songs after this interview. Um, so Jesse, and speaking of journeys, you are, as this title is called, the most unbooked, sorry, the most booked unjabbed live performing musician through the lockdown. Tell me a bit about that. Okay. Well, I got that from my booking agent. I actually have three booking agents and, um, I'm not going to name their names, but during uh, lock when when it all first started happening, um, we got locked down and all. But it, just when that whole vaccine pass thing came out, one of my booking agents said to me, "You'll never work again." Um, the other one was kind of um, he just he just checked out and he wasn't booking anything for anyone. And my main booking agent said, um, "You know, I had a an exemption from my doctor, Doctor Francis Bitsilis, if I can mention that name." And she wrote it prior to the law change. And then I got a lawyer's letter from Frontline Law, which is the same company that got the um, mandate or dropped for the police force and the defence force, and um, which basically proved that my exemption was written prior to the illegal law change. I don't know if I can say that, but yeah, that's what they all said. Yeah, it wasn't really a law change anyway, but uh, they just pretended I, as far as I looked at it. And then my booking agent, he actually said to me after after the two lockdowns, he said, um, you know, because we went through all the, there's all the different stages. And he said to me, you know, you're the most booked musician that I've got on my books. And he's one of the biggest booking agents for the local sort of pub circuit in New Zealand. And um, and he said, and you're also unjabbed, which he, he was quite proud of. I mean, he didn't want to get jabbed himself, but he did, like a lot of people. And um, I kept that away from from well my wife we were in agreement on it and my 18 year old daughter which is the hardest thing i've ever had to do keeping her away from it and also giving her freedom of choice as well let's talk about your daughter because well number one my people might have heard me say this before but any teenager that remained unjabbed through all that coercion and bullying and propaganda is an absolute sometimes i throw in a swear word legend okay yeah. so i just want to put that out there and uh, but she is a legend in, in another sense. I know that um, it's a bit of a celebration. You've recently sent her off or she's gone off um, spreading her wings in America and she's been performing, you know, and doing her thing as a singer songwriter as well. Tell us about that. Well, on about she's been writing songs for a very long time. Um, she's been playing guitar since and piano since like the age of about four. Um, I gave her her first guitar. I bought it from Nashville. I was on a tour over there. And I think she's about two or three years old and she's tiny with this little thing. But um, really, she sort of kept it under wraps. She was writing these songs in her bedroom and she wasn't sort of playing them to me or anything. And she actually, I don't know if we can mention this, but she actually did, she did a couple of landmark courses. I don't know if you've heard of landmark. Yeah, so, so. I've done it back in the day, landmark forum. Yeah. Well, she did the landmark forum, she did the advanced course, and then she did the self-expression and leadership. And she actually went on to do the Introduction to Leaders program. And that just transformed her. I mean, she's already an amazing little girl. and um, But she came out of self-expression and leadership. And then she started playing me all these songs she's written. And I'm like, how many of these have you written? She's hundreds, literally hundreds of them. And um, so she started performing. She formed herself a band, um, a band called Goodnight Faith. They actually named it. Her, her birth name is Alicia Faith Wild, but um, she goes under the name of Faith Wild. She loses her middle name. It's very and, catchy. Yeah, it is. And then um, I wanted to give her a catchphrase. That's why I gave her Faith as a middle name, because if I had a son, which I never did, I would have called her, his middle name would have been Danger. 
and I, I would have been able to say, son, this is going to be dangerous. And he'd say, danger's my middle name. <laughs> I, I say to, I Danger say to, wild. So I say to Alicia, have a little faith, Alicia. And she says, daddy, faith's my middle name. That's her catchphrase. Everyone <laughs> should have a catchphrase. But anyway, she came out with these incredible songs. And um, I started recording them. Um, this is probably about a year or so ago. We got a, 11 down. We've released two now because she got a little um, sort of throat infection before she left, so we couldn't finish the last vocal, so we're going to do those in America. But she goes, she got a one-year visa, which is a smart way. I've spent several years in America um, sort of working, um, well, you know, it was hard on a tourist visa and things like that, you know, so she, I, I, she got the right way. I told her to go to university, enroll in university, get the one-year visa, so she's taking the university gap. So she gets, um, she's got, we've got one song released on Spotify at, at the time called Midland, and it's under Faith Wild with an E. Okay. And um, she goes, but more, she does a lot of stuff on TikTok, and um, there's this guy named Noah Khan who's pretty famous over in America, and he wrote a song called Dial Drunk, which is actually a really good song about, and and there's this thing going around where people do this female perspective on on the song so she wrote a verse to which responding to his basically the premise of the song is uh you know he he was basically a bad boyfriend he was drunk all the time he ends up smashing up a car and the cops he was the emergency the emergency phone call was the ex-girlfriend and she wouldn't pick up and even the cops thought it was wrong that she wouldn't pick up and so she does the response to it basically and it's really really well written it goes viral on tiktok he responds to it this <laughs> mega star and has had over three million plays now so then she goes, uh, She she's in uh, Branson, Missouri, because she's got a job there for six months working at the Big Cedar Lodge, which is a pretty amazing sort of, it's like Camp America for rich kids, but it's also the the parents go there and she looks after the kids and takes them doing archery and takes them oh, on amazing. the amazing. Which is great, because I taught her how to fire guns, how to shoot, how to do sword fighting, how to do, um, I, I've done fencing, archery, and, I, and I do pistol shooting and rifle shooting. All the good things. And she's done mixed martial arts, which I think she's is well equipped. Yeah. And um, so she she goes over there and she there's a festival coming up in Iowa, Iowa, which is like a six hour drive from Branson. She sees Noah Khan's gonna be playing. She she goes to the festival, she's got a couple of friends. She stops by a Walmart, buys a piece of cardboard, and writes, I'm Faith Wild, you duetted my TikTok. Can I sing the song with you? This is his big hit. I did not know this backstory. Oh my gosh. She holds it up in the audience, but was that there's girls recognize her from the TikTok in the audience. They put her on her shoulders. He, she's holding the sign and and no, I've got the whole the, the whole thing was filmed. And um he stops the concert basically and see there's a girl in the audience that wants to sing um the second verse to the song. She wrote it. And I think it and and, and would that be cool? And the crowd goes crazy. They they pull her up on the stage. It's like a star is born moment. <laughs> and um, 25,000 people. And she nails it. And he just lets her go loose. Like, um, she just, she takes the whole second verse herself. Um, and then at, right at the end of it, she go, he goes, the exact words. It's a, it was on the, um, so the project did a big thing. Did you see it on the project? No, I didn't, but I'm going to go and watch. The, I'm going to go watch it on the I'll TikTok and the, the project show. later. It's like the head, it's the headline story on the project. It was a couple of weeks ago on Monday night at seven o'clock. 
And at the end of the song, uh, Noah Khan goes, I think her verse might be better than mine. And he goes, and that's a little bit hard on my ego. <laughs> you know, all credit to her, more credit to her. She, she goes up there and she nails it. And now the Hinterland Music Festival organizers are talking to her maybe about getting uh, getting on the bill next year. And uh, she's, she's had a photo shoot and she's having a few things over there. People trying to find her a manager. Amazing. So many little, you know, so many little, I guess, messages or lessons in that, you know, one is, you know, follow your heart, like do what you love, right? Like she loves it. She's been doing her whole life. Take a chance, you know, like, so she took a chance, like she was in, you know, the Kiwi ingenuity with the cardboard, writing a sign. And then in in the moment, you know, she, she nailed it. Like she didn't mess up the words or freeze or anything like that. She also starts with, uh, by the way, I'm from New Zealand, which when um so i i sent this out to all the media people like because i had the video and everything it's pretty and um the first person to bite within two minutes of me sending the email jesse mulligan actually rang me up because i we know each other i've been on a show several times performing i actually really like jesse mulligan not a massive fan of all mainstream media but jesse's a real supporter of new zealand musicians so well, he maybe re- he'll stand up more for kiwi's rights uh if anything else comes down the pipeline hashtag just saying yeah. And um, so he rings me up straight away. We do a live to air interview on Radio New Zealand um, about this, just me and me and him. And then um, he plays one of her songs, which is the release one called Midland, and he loves it. And then I noticed that I then about probably a day later, I get an email from Matthew Warner of Warner Brothers. I don't know if that's a coincidence. I think it must be. And Warner Brothers own TV3. I didn't know that um uh and they want her on the project and and it's the, but i'd send it to all the tv stations and and so the new zealand herald did an article on her as well big article um and it's it's a six minute segment and it's really respectful that they do on the project they like literally it's a star is born moment um I'll all right to... we don't usually do shadows for msm yeah. but in this instance, I'm excited to go and watch that. That yeah. sounds totally amazing. Like just, I'm, you know, because here's the other thing, the other message in this is you're obviously so proud of her. And especially over the last three years, so many of us have been so worried for our kids, you oh, know, yeah. standing up for our kids' rights or for our kids' future, um, yeah. which you did so well in your own way. I've got a question. How did you manage, like you now you're telling me, you are the most booked unjabbed live performer. But in the moment back then, two years ago or whenever, how did you manage to do it? Like, is it because of your exemption you were able to do it? To still do the gigs? Tenacity, really. Not get kicked out the door. Yeah, well, you know what? So many of the venues knew me. And mm. um, I would walk up and they would look uh, and that and they on more than probably 80% of them took one look at me and said, I'm not even gonna ask and let me in. So, um, but I, but I didn't have, uh, I never had a, one of those passport things. I know some people had fake ones and stuff. I wouldn't do that. That was against my principles. Um, I didn't do that either, though. I did get what the control group one, which yes, I got that as well. Yeah, okay. <laughs> which I only used once because my son yeah, wanted to go to one. Tapanyaki on his birthday. And I was like, I'm just going to use this control group thing. But yeah, no, and I what, didn't get a fake one. Yeah, No, no. Well, I had the lawyer's letter and I had the medical exemption and, um, and um, I, but I very rarely had to show it. My, my booking agent stood up for me and said, "He's he's got what he needs to play there." Um, but yeah, it was you know I'll tell you what happened for me. I mean, I've never trusted Big Pharma. I've never trusted 
vaccines. Um, my daughter's never had a vac vaccination ever. She's 21 years old. She's never been vaccinated. Nothing. She was homeopathically immunized when she was a kid because she wanted to do um, Montessori school, and, and that was a way of getting it through. So uh, they, they were like little tablets. I don't know. But homeopathically immunized is what she was, but she was never jabbed with anything, and it was all whatever she had was a natural thing. So, um, but it's interesting because her, her mother was really against the vaccine and um, oh, we that's one thing that really united us. And um, it's, it's just an interesting thing. Like I remember like the thing that really made me not want to do it is that we had this really expensive Aitataki Rarotonga holiday booked, you know, it was several thousand dollars. And my uh, our, uh, whatever the travel agent rang up and said, you, you could, the only way you can go is if you're vaccinated. And I literally had a violent reaction within my, I would call it my emotional guidance system, I guess. It was violent. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it said, I'll throw that money in the bin before I get vaccinated. And that was when I really knew I'm not going to do it. Consequently, we actually ended up going. I postponed it all and we, and we got to go in the end without being vaccinated because they dropped the vaccines. But it was touch and go with my daughter, and she, she only left and um, she left the day uh, the day before her twenty first birthday. We had a big party for her. She left on the nineteenth of June, and they'd only just dropped it in May or something mm. eh, for America. But um, they yeah, I just didn't want to do it. And then I talked to my daughter, and um, my daughter was like, "I have to do it. All my friends have got it, and nothing's wrong with them." And I and I said, "Look, honestly, I have to give you freedom of choice, but." You've trusted me all this time. I don't think this is good. And she said, oh, but she, and she, she, we had her 18th birthday party here. It was like in between the two lockdowns. Well, I don't know how that worked. Maybe it was before the first one or something. That's and she was about, or maybe after the first one, and she wanted to go to the bars for her 18th birthday. And um, I go, I got her an exemption as well and a lawyer's letter. And I said, if, any, if, if anyone refuses this, you just get them to call me. I'll be down there straight away or I'll get my lawyer down there. And um, she, I remember her ringing me up several times. Uh, New Year's Eve was another one. She said, Dad, this won't work. She's she's at a bar in Fudianga or Whangamatara, it might have been, and she's ringing me up at 2 o'clock in the morning saying, Dad, I love you. Yes, you, your, your exemption worked, and I'm having a drink with all my friends. And so... Just wow. That. I mean, kudos to you for standing your ground, but in a loving, compassionate way. Obviously, it's not like, no, you can't do it. Because as we know, once they're 12, they can do kind of what they want, which is a bit interesting exactly. in New Zealand. But um, and she, you know, she made empowered choices, but you definitely made the path easy for her. Um, and that was so great that your that her mother was on board with that. So there was she wasn't pulled in two directions. Oh, no, yeah. But her, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I won't say too much more about that apart from it actually brought us closer together because, um, you know, I've seen so many families split apart by this, you know. Yeah. And the other thing that's so interesting is what you called the EGS, the emotional guidance system. You know, you were you, you had this physical body reaction, just this kind of knowing that like, no, it was that's violent. it was violent. It was <laughs> like, it was like I would rather throw myself off a cliff. Mm. And, and have to do that to do that, you know, to mm. get vaccinated to go on that holiday. I would put that money in, mm. in the toilet before mm. I, yeah. And I want, it makes me wonder how many people, maybe people won't feel that passionate or extreme about it, but how many people who previously 
didn't really think about it or kind of, you know, thought, oh, well, there's nothing I can do. I feel like I'm, I imagine, I hope that a lot more people will have changed their tune. I mean, for me, I'm similar. I, you know, had a lot of, because I do a lot of visibility work and I used to, I train people on how to present in the media and how to be a great guest in interviews. Yeah. Um, and I had a few people say, why don't you go on the AM show and tell everyone to get vaccinated? And word for word, I said, you couldn't pay me a million dollars for to do that. And then when they were like, we're going to, you know, they're coming to jab the kids. I said, you literally, and I love money, by the way. I was like, you literally couldn't pay me a million dollars per child. And I have three to vaccinate my, to jab my children with this experimental hoo-ha. So Mm-hmm. I hear you. I hear you. I didn't have the body reaction, but I certainly had the fire and the rage within. Yeah. yeah. Mm. No, it was, it was, you know, and I, I don't consider myself a conspiracy theorist at all. And and it amazes me how many really intelligent people, you know, they'll, they'll research the water they drink. They'll research the food they eat and, and all of that, but they won't, they didn't research this. Um, you know, my favorite thing now, my favorite saying is I'm no longer a conspiracy theorist because all my conspiracies have come true. So to to actually define myself as a conspiracy theorist, I'd have to get new conspiracies. So, but I wouldn't call myself that, but I've always questioned authority. And, um, you know, my wife, Kath Vincent, who is an amazing woman, she... Previous guest on the Up Your Brave show. She actually did. And it, by the way, you guys, if you haven't if you haven't listened to it, you can go and listen on our replays. Kath Vincent was talking all about how to be confident public speaking. She's an amazing speaker coach. Well, well she's got two degrees. She's got a master's degree in information technology and a degree in media studies. And she was watching this whole thing roll out, you know, with Jacinda saying, oh, I won't force the vaccination and all of that. Basically, she said, I won't make it mandatory and uh, all of that. And um, just... And she also said, Jacinda also said, consult your GP, which is what I did. I consulted my GP, just happened to be Frances, who's an amazing lady. She mm-hmm. she also wrote a TV, it was a big thing on t- television too. It was called Is Modern Medicine Killing You? And it was a documentary about basically big pharma and modern medicine. And, she, and she's a homopath as well as a fully qualified doctor. She does appearance medicine and things like that too. And, um, yeah, I literally rang her up and I said, what would you do in this situation? She said, said, don't do it. Do not do it. Um, She said, I I promise you I'll be there with what you need if you get it. And she was, to her credit, she was. And um, so I did all everything that Jacinda said, but she had 99% of the doctors on board, I believe. Well, Uh, I don't believe that. Yeah, well, that's right. Okay. She thought she had a, a, a vast percentage of the doctors on board, but she didn't have all of them. So, you know, um, with that, you know, uh, what amazes me is how many non-doctors, and most of them are, uh, you know, lots of musicians were on. But, oh, come on, everybody, go and get jabbed so we can all get out and gig again. And that amazed me because the one, I had one guy in my band, and I'm not going to mention his name either, but he, he's no longer in my band because he wrote a COVID policy for our for our band and to- and then wrote me a five page email to tell me how my exemption wasn't legal by the government standards. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, oh, sorry, mate, but uh, we're, we're too far apart on this, but he, I don't believe he's gigged at all since the, um, since the pandemic. I don't believe I, I'm pretty sure he's not still not gigging now. So, some would call some would call that karma. But I was did one have of the a, people who said, come on on Facebook, come on guys, get jabs so we could all get out and perform again. Yeah. Um, have you seen any musicians um, who have had health implications or is everyone pretty sweet? Well, I've had a, one family member who uh, was really 
um, reluctant to get the jab, but he ended up getting it to go to my niece's wedding. I didn't go to my niece's wedding because she wouldn't allow unvaccinated people, regardless of my exemption or anything. I even had cleared it with the venue, but um, he had um, he's he's got he's having heart issues, um, like a, a form of myocarditis, I guess. Um, um, do I know other musicians? I've definitely, you know, I, I know several musicians who are not jabbed and, um, do I know, I don't actually know of, uh, many other people. I know, um, a lady who used to do PR for me, um, Ali Cook, you'd know Ali Cook, I don't know. She's another musician. Her son was a truck driver. He got jabbed, had serious issues. He had to pull over his truck. He almost crashed his truck and he's suffering from myocarditis Ali Cook is a famous musician. Um, she's, I think, on the River of Freedom. One of her songs is being played on there and on the movie, which is coming out next week. Um, but, I mean, there's lots of outspoken. One of the, the most frustrating things, I was, I, I helped uh, Jason Kerrison from Op Shop, who's one of my favourite, he's a great friend of mine, one of my favourite musicians. I put some backing vocals on a song he wrote called, I believe it's called... Um, Heads We Win, Tails You Lose, mm -hmm. which is like an anti-mandate song. And um, I was going to go down to perform it on the, you know, basically on the stage at Parliament during the protest, but I couldn't get out of Auckland because I I got a PCR test. So the other way I got through, I was getting PCR tests, which I didn't want to, for every gig. Right. I was getting rat tests for every gig. when Right. They so um, I got that thing poked up my nose a couple of times, but I look, I, I don't think it's it was terrible but I'd, I'd rather not have to do it. but that's what i was doing i was getting a pcr test for everything and i was getting them mainly for free i don't think i ever paid for one yeah. and and they'd write me a little certificate and so i if i had to cross the out of auckland yeah i had to have a rat test to do yeah. that stage and so i was on my way i was literally almost all packed up in my van to go down to wellington i'd go we'll go to get a rat it was a rat test then i think and um, i failed the rat test and then i wasn't feeling sick at all and Those so blinking false positives so then i had to wait i waited a couple of weeks and got a um i uh, got i went to the auckland hospital and got them to do me a blood test it was free there and they did me an antibodies test no antibodies i remember that a few months after that i did actually get COVID, and then i and i did actually um get um an antibodies test and i had antibodies i think uh, once i had a flu and it wasn't COVID, although it came up as COVID. i mean i went for 20 years without ever getting a flu but there were some nasty bugs going around i don't know what it was but i know it wasn't all COVID because i only had uh, I, I got sick twice and it wasn't terrible but it was enough to uh you know i missed one gig and in fact, in my whole career of playing since I'm like professionally since I was 17, I think it's the only gig I've ever missed. I just had it. My throat was a bit messed up. Maybe that's why you're the most booked because you're so reliable because your <laughs> your health is so consistent, which yeah. is amazing. So you were mentioning that Jason Kerrison has a song and you did some, I think you said backing vocals. Yeah, I did is the that... backing vocals here in my studio and that's going to be on the movie. Yeah, um, which is pretty neat because that movie's got like songs from Eric Clapton and, and some big people are, are performing on that. Yeah. yeah. So for those of you listening, 
we the time that we're recording this is just a, a week before. So next week, Jesse and I are going to be at the River of Freedom, and we'll hopefully see some of you there. It's happening, as you probably know, um, in certain theaters up and down the country, uh, which is so exciting. Um, and hopefully... Some people, I mean, there's going to be people like us that go along. I mean, speak for myself. I didn't go to Wellington, um, kind of a contentious issue. I didn't really feel comfortable leaving my 11-year-old. I'll just say that. Um, And anyway, I didn't go down, uh, but tons of my friends did. So it's going to be like a big reunion of all the freedom fighters. It's just going to be so much fun going along. But I'm hoping also there'll be some people going to see that movie that maybe have changed their tune, you know, to use a musical uh, terminology, maybe have mu- changed their tune over the past three years and maybe have their eyes opened and to see a little bit, oh, okay, maybe the media did spin it a little bit the wrong way. And so I'm hoping there's a ripple effect, another pun there, uh, from the River of Freedom movie. What are your thoughts about the movie? What do you know about it? I've just seen a few little clips of it and um, I really don't know. There, there's been all sorts of documentaries come out and I've been involved in a few of them. I helped Ali Cook record a song called Little White Crosses, which she actually did perform on the steps of Parliament um, mm. about all the vaccine injured. And I, I I produced that entire song. She came here with an acoustic guitar um, and she sang the vocal to a click track and I built the entire song around it. We did drums, bass, orchestra, strings, and I did that in, in the space of like about a week. It was uh, incredibly how fast we bash that out because she used that soundtrack to perform on the steps of parliament Amazing. um i there's lots of documentaries and stuff that i and i've been involved in probably about three or four of them just helping record the soundtracks and the voiceovers and things i i just think it's something that people need to we need to learn from this you know it's history i remember seeing that um some woman old lady from austria talking about how people think that the Nazis conquered Austria, but they didn't. They the Austria went willingly, and how they did it. Um, they basically came in. They, 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 they took control of the banks. They took control of the radio stations. There was only one radio station, basically Hitler Radio, and they gave them all radios. And, they, and it was basically against the law not to listen to the station. They went and helped all the Hitler Youth. They gave they they started. They gave them, they gave them motorbikes and sports equipment and. And, and they loved them. And initially, it was the most best thing in the world. And then it became got really, really bad. They took over the banks and then they couldn't do anything and everything, you know. But it, they they went in willingly. And she was basically, this old lady was talking about it, saying, don't be fooled again. So history, we got to learn from history. That's mm-hmm. why we need these documentaries and people to start questioning. There's so many questionable things about human rights. And, I mean... Mm-hmm. Man, human rights went out the window, and I couldn't believe it in a world where everyone's so PC, right? You know, you can't say this and you can't say that. You can't even determine someone's gender, but you can say you're not allowed here because you haven't taken an experimental vaccine. That that's what amazed me the most was the hypocrisy of how we're supposed to be all accepting of everything, and then that happens. You know, you're shunned, and I mean, I, I remember going into Starbucks. I used their bathroom, and I didn't show my pass, and they literally called the cops. I just said, I said, I need to go to the bathroom. I'm going to the bathroom, and I didn't show my pass. And you know, the cops right. didn't turn up. The cops were slack, but I just walked out, and they didn't hold me or try to help me. It seems laughable now, in a way. Some some of those stories, it's like, how could it? I can't believe it was like that. But personally and tragically, I feel like it'll. 
it could easily revert back to that if people don't take a stand. Yep. Do you yeah. think more people will take a stand next time round if something comes down the path? More and more people I'm talking to are are you know they're either in complete denial or they're going yeah this wasn't right and and so many people at the end go I'm not getting any more jabs they've already had two or three mm-hmm. and they're like, I'm not getting any more which kind of amazed me you know to take two or three. Um, and I'm like the only mask I'm wearing is my eye mask, you know, <laughs> like when I'm sleeping. I, I I got one of those mask exemptions too, and I uh, and uh, which is very easy to get. And I uh, got mask exemptions for my kids at school because um, my kids go to three different schools, and they it was interesting because the different schools had different severity of rules around masks predominantly. And you know, one of my kids he went to the quite one that was went pretty crazy on the masks. They were all about the masks and um, he wanted the mask exemption yeah. as well. And because he breathes through his mouth and it's like having, being a mouth breather and wearing a mask, is just so bad. Um, so yeah, I, I got them a mask exemption. I, I mean, hopefully people have learned that masks actually don't do anything and they are more of a negative impact on your health yep. in my research and my view. Yep. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Um, will people learn? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I, I, I think the world needs a massive shakeup, and um, I think I, I believe it's a lot more people have woken up. You know, like wake up. You, uh, um, I think they have. I, I think it's you know. Um, will will they try it again? Probably. Will will um, will we there be more brave people? I'm hoping. Yeah. I think the timing of the river of freedom is great, you know, because I have heard that September is, they always say this though, last year they were like red October. Um, anyway, I've heard that September is going to be quite pivotal in terms of maybe, you know, some politicians losing their jobs or like internationally, you know, and of course more weather events uh, th- that are quite um, suspect in my view as well. So I think it's great timing that the river of freedom is coming out just to kind of number one, unite people that are like me, uh, believers or advocates of, of freedom and truth and integrity, and also to wake up hopefully a few more people along the way. Um, yeah. Jesse, I would go ahead. Provided people are like, um, you really, you know, uh, one of the greatest sayings I've ever heard is it was actually about money, and it says, Money makes you more of who you are. Money doesn't change you. It makes you more of who you are. And I think it makes evil people more evil and good people more good or be able to do more good. So this really, I mean, I think it showed a lot of people were scared. And and my favorite saying over that time was it was just like, I'm not, I'm a spiritual person more than a religious person. But, you know, when Jesus was on the cross and he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That just kept resonating with me the whole time this was going on. I mean, I don't. Most people, I think, are good. There are a select few that are evil, but um, they just—they were scared. They were—they just believed. They were too trusting. Yeah. Well, that is. I mean, obviously, that—that's a wonderful way to view things, and that has probably helped you to get through. You know, navigate this time when you look. But they know not what they do. It's very un- non-judgmental. It's yeah. a very loving, very forgiving stance. So. I don't know if congratulations is the right word, but I i mean, good on you. I, I kind of tend to get a little bit more aggro about things. I didn't, but... I didn't put up with any shit, though. You know, <laughs> people fucking oh, tell good. me I, I can do this and I can do that. And I say, screw that. I can do whatever I, I want, you know, and I'm not hurting anybody. 
and yeah. um, and that's another thing I saw someone saying. You know, I, I I helped and supported everyone I could, vaccinated or unvaccinated, and I'm proud I can say that. Where those people who were standing on the sidelines saying "get vaccinated" or "you're not allowed here, you're not welcome here," they mm-hmm. did the opposite. You know, they weren't helping people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And um, to come out of that with no regrets, meaning I'm, I'm, you know, no regrets on your behavior, no regrets on what you said or didn't say. I think that's a pretty amazing place to be. So um, I'd love to ask you now: What is one thing you've done, Jesse, in the past year to truly up your brave? That's a really good question. Um, I'm constantly sort of testing myself and and um, things, you know, like. Uh, but you know, I, I guess the biggest thing I've done to up my brave recently is I'm gonna have to say I, I'm writing songs for a new album, and um, it's amazing how many songwriters I, I say that uh, it's a scary thing to face that blank page. And, and to go, is this going to be any good or is this not going to be any good? And I'm writing the best songs of my life. And I've got several of my friends right now saying exactly the same thing, the musicians. Mm. There's something that's come out of this. Um, over the lockdown, I I, I had some time uh, and I, I recorded a, a, a Tom Petty tribute album because I'm in a Tom Petty tribute band, which was just the most cathartic thing to do. And then I just, after rec- learning 40-something Tom Petty songs, a switch went in me. And I swear, as I was making this album, Tom Petty's no longer with us. He's in the big gig in the sky. I, I swear I was connecting with him during this recording. And he just was talking to me and saying, you got to start writing your own songs again, Jesse. And I did. I faced that blank page. and. And then I played those songs to my wife, Kat, and then I played them to my bandmates. And they were like, these are really good, Jesse. These are really good. This is the best. Ooh, can we play one after this? Uh, one of the new ones. We've got a new one finished. We can, I can probably, yeah, I can, I can whip you up one of those. Yeah, it's unreleased if you want. All right. Well, give us give us the link after this and we'll play it um, after our interview. That is so awesome. And it's really great to get. I feel like music has so much power. And like you said, maybe the music that's coming out now when people are people have shifted in who they are and how they show up in the world. And that's going to come through in the music and the musicians as well. Yeah. So I've got to put a positive spin on all of this, because I think if if we were I, I've always said and I, I had these conversations with several of my friends, some of them are quite famous musicians. And we had these cool over lockdown. I said, look, I always think good is going to triumph over evil. Mm-hmm. I just, and my gut feeling says good is going to triumph over evil. And that's, I don't think we'd be right. And a couple of my friends have said, I don't think we'd be writing these songs if the, if the world's going to end really soon or something. No, it's not. We're coming into an age of, of something that's incredibly powerful, I believe. And I think this has all happened for a reason. And I think, um, these people need to be exposed. These people who are trying to control the world. And I do ultimately think it, it might get a little worse before it gets better but good is going to triumph over evil i i totally believe that i agree with you too and you know on my show i am i mean i am about motivation and inspiration and honesty and truth but i also i agree i think you know we are in this breakdown before the breakthrough as such the eye of the storm some people well i feel like september is going to get really rough and then after that hopefully um more people will become aware, you know, that raising in the level of consciousness and we'll see some shifts, but it's, yeah, we're still, we're still going to go. No change can happen. Like no transformation can happen unless you become aware of 
the stuff that's holding you back and it's holding the planet back and it's holding humanity back. And this is what it's going to, it's raising the awareness of that. These huge corporations controlling everything. And it's, um, wow, this isn't right. And, and really the people have the power. I mean, Jimi Hendrix said it way, way back. They all said, you know, when, when the love of people triumphs over the love of power, it's basically, or the power of love triumphs over the love of power, I think he said, which I thought was great. Mm. That's when, you know, we'll have the control back. But the people have the power, you know, these corporations don't. We can stop buying from them. We can stop doing all you know. We just they are under this hypnosis that they do have the power, but they don't. The people do. Yeah. And unity instead of division. What yeah. is something on your bucket list, something you'd love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we can possibly help you with? That you can help me with. You know, um, I've always wanted to win a Silver Scroll, which is a songwriting award. And uh, <laughs> That, but I, I've always, uh, you know, I'd love to have a million plays on Spotify one day. Not that, that means anything financially; it would just be a, and a gold record. But that's um, a good goal. Where, where are you on Spotify? Is it Jesse Wild on Spotify? Yep. If you just okay. there are two Jesse Wilds. There's a, there's a DJ guy who came out, but I'm, I'm the most popular one. Um, it's spelled J E S S E W I L D E. Wild with follow an me on Spotify. I'd love to have a thousand follow- followers on Spotify, and I'm up to six hundred and something. That would be great. Oh, we can double that. Come on, everybody! If you're listening, please do go and go to Spotify. Look up Jesse Wild, J E S S E Wild with an E. And uh, what do they do? They follow or subscribe? They follow. You, you can actually follow on. Um, you can follow someone on Spotify. Yeah. And go to my YouTube channel, which is just called Jesse Wild Music. Um, you can um subscribe to that. That's always good. I'm always putting out new videos and stuff on there, and uh, you know that's that's building up. But um, and I, I mean, I want to go to Machu Picchu one day. I've been. Uh, we're going to Mexico uh, this year, which will be neat because there's all these places. I've been to Egypt already. There's all these places I'm drawn to. Yeah. And the only other thing I ever, ever really wanted was a 1958 Corvette, which I almost bought this year, but it was not quite the right color. And I, yeah. Um, are you going to the car show? There's some Auckland car show that my son is going to. Oh, in well, I've played the Hot Rod show the last three years running. There's the big QMU Hot Rod Festival. Oh, yeah. And my band, is the, uh, the Jesse Wild Band, has played it twice. And um, the Tom Petty Tribute Band played it once. So I, I, I get to see them every now and then, but they're a very rare car. I mean, I just always wanted to. And, and then I, the next thing, I, I might have to build a workshop to to, to store it in because where we live, we've got a car stacker where we live, but. We've already got two cars, so it'll be a third car. I need a place to park it. <laughs> I want to ask you about your studio. So the next question is, what's coming up for you in the next few months? How can people connect with you? We we already mentioned a few yeah. YouTubes and, and Spotify's. But if someone wants to record a song, if we have some aspiring musicians in the in the listening audience, can you tell us about the, the recording studio and also what else is coming up for you other than your trip to Mexico in the coming months? Cool. So we've got... An incredible facility here. I, I believe it's world class at this recording studio. Um, I designed it that way. We've had incredible musicians um, uh, recording here, and it's always fairly busy. But it's called Wild Records, Wild with an E Records Recording Studios, and we call the Complex Studio Thirty Eight because it houses Cat Vincent TV, which is my wife's business, which is a TV studio, and. Um, We've had all sorts of amazing people hiring the TV studio out too. But, I mean, I have a, several Facebook pages, Wild Records Recording Studios and um, Jesse Wild uh, Music. 
that's another so if you but to get in contact with me if you just google wild records it's mm. really easy to come up with it's just jesse at jessewild.com as well so uh, that's my email address and um people can get a hold of me that way uh we have been really busy and I'm, I'm loving it i just love working with young talented artists and uh i work with everything from i just just literally about two minutes before i was on this call i had four rappers in here doing this incredible <laughs> vocals to beats and i do that a bit but i, I work with singer songwriters acoustic guitar players you know that write their own songs i help them with all the instrumentation i've got an incredible stable of session musicians who help record drums and bass and electric guitars we do everything from gospel hip-hop to we had a heavy metal band book the studio out for the whole weekend too um pretty pretty intense death heavy metal so we've done it we do all sorts of things here but yeah it's we're pretty easy. Just Google up Wild Records Recording Studios in Auckland. I think we're we're up in the top two or three there, probably on the Google search. That is awesome. And how would you describe your music? Like you mentioned Tom Petty tribute band before. What are some words? How would you describe your style of music? Well, I grew up listening to like John Mellencamp, Bob Seger, um, Steve Earle, and I met all three of those guys now. So I would call my music they, the new label. They call it Americana. Mm-hmm. A lot of people try to label me country. I'm not really, but I, there is a country flavor, which is, it's not terrible now because country is actually the most popular. Yeah, country is cool now, isn't it? It's coming back, yeah. <laughs> Americana it, sounds like a I, coffee. I call it South, yeah, I know. I call it sort of Southern rock, you know, but it's just good singer-songwriter rock. Um, uh, and there's definitely a little bit of uh, my favorite, one of my favorite songwriters, Steve Earle, is kind of country, but he, he was too rock for country and too country for rock. So I'm kind of in the middle there somewhere. I lo- Southern rock. I like the sound of that. All right. Amazing, Jesse. Hey, before we wrap it up and before we go to your song, is there anything else you want to share with our audience today? Um, I think what you're doing, Natalie, is awesome. I think everyone at Reality Check Radio, I think it's great that the media is out there and talking about this sort of stuff because we don't want to sweep it under the rug. We want to talk about it. We want to learn from history. So I just want to thank you for Mm. what you're doing. I think it's amazing. And I want to thank everybody out there for, uh, you know, listening and, and just supporting, you know, I'm all about freedom. My whole life, money has never driven me. What drives me is freedom. And what they were doing to us was the opposite of freedom. And it really got my, you know, back up. So anyone out there that supports freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of, um, you know, just to to, to follow your dreams. I, I live, I'm all about all people creatively living their dreams. That's the mission statement that I have for my recording studio. Mm -hmm. I am the possibility of all people creatively living their dreams. And um, freedom is what you need to do that. Yes, you do. Thank you so much, Jesse, for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jesse Wild. Uh, I actually ran into Jesse and many other people, which was such an amazing experience at the River of Freedom movie, which I talked about at the beginning of the show. So if you're just tuning in, um, it's, I think, available at many theaters, not all, across New Zealand. And if you want to see the River of Freedom, you're going to need to ask. So um, ask and you shall receive, hopefully. Um, You could possibly do what some people did, some of my friends did for The Sound of Freedom, 
which is the child sex trafficking movie, they hired out the theater themselves and got everyone to pay them and they booked it like that. You could even do that for River of Freedom, which, by the way, is about the Freedom Convoy and the Wellington protests. It's an amazing documentary. I highly recommend. Um, in this interview with Jesse Wilde, we talked about uh, the EGS, Emotional Guidance System. We talked about how good is going to triumph over evil. We both do feel optimistic and positive about things going forward. Uh, but I love how Jesse really stood his ground and he was able to do what he loves and the way that he brings joy and raises the vibration, raises the frequency through music. He was able to keep doing that through lockdown, which is so amazing. You can follow him and, of course, his daughter as well on Spotify. You just look them up. Jesse Wild, Faith Wild, both with an E on the end, W-I-L-D-E. And um, if you go to the replay page, I will also have the video interview um, with his daughter that he mentioned in that interview and all the links to go and follow him as well. So I've got some music lined up for you. We're going to actually do a double banger. We're going to do something I've never done on the show before, two songs in a row. So after this, I'm going to play for you Honey by Jesse Wild, followed by a song from his daughter, Nashville State of Mind by Faith Wild. Here you go.
clean break I know that if I stay I'll be dead to everybody in my wake I'd rather be a runaway Small towns and big reputations I made a mess in every direction I know there's love but there's just so much hate here In Nashville I wouldn't care I've got a Nashville state of mind I'll be there in due time And if I ever feel close to low I'll take a drive on those country roads To whiskey with someone I don't know Tell them stories about all my ghosts Of a town I left behind I've got a Nashville state of mind Change myself and never look back Maybe even find a picket fence But I'm not really set on that one yet New bars, new talent every weekend Be adored by the way I'm speaking Change the world with my words of hurt Make something good out of all this dirt I've got a Nashville state of mind I'll be there in due time And if I ever feel close to low I'll take a drive on those country roads Shoot whiskey with the stranger Telling about old me and how I hate her She's in that town I left behind I've got a Nashville state of mind Oh, where no one knows my name I'm a small town renegade I Like all the folk songs They one of the few to get away And I ain't got nothing figured out I'll leave it up to the side Thanks for tuning in to RCR, Reality Check Radio. If you like what you're listening to, or even if you don't agree with what you're listening to, then get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057, that's 2057. Or if you'd rather email us, you can at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you, so get in touch with us now. You've heard the words open, fair, 
both sides of the story, it's easy to say them, but practicing them often seems like a bridge too far. New Zealand, it's time for a reality check. Reality check. RCR, Reality Check Radio. Rational discussion, common sense, and open debate for real. With me, Paul Brennan. You know, you just can't make this stuff up. You couldn't write the script. Veteran broadcaster Peter Williams. Where is the evidence they actually make a difference? It turns out that was a very fair question to ask. Taking on the mainstream, Chantel Baker. Mainstream media, as usual, in their little perch. The man who cares so much and whose background is for real, Rodney Hyde. The doctors don't believe them. They can't get ACC. They can't work. They're told it's all in their head. Along with a raft of contributors to inform, entertain and bring the truth back to New Zealand media. It's time for a reality check, all right. RCR, Reality Check Radio at www.realitycheck.radio. We've arrived. Welcome back, everybody. Natalie Cutler-Welsh here. You're listening to The Up Your Brave Show here on Reality Check Radio. My next guest is Carrie Dell, and we are going to be talking about frequency activation for body and belief alchemy. Carrie's from Keps Health. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Natalie. I'm so excited to be here with you. I've been listening to a few of your previous um, interviews, and you're magnificent. So well done for what you're doing. Yay, a, a happy listener and also a guest. Well, it's so great. Um, Carrie, I know that our paths recently reconnected. We've known each other for a few years. I love it how people come back into our lives at the right time. For those of you that haven't met Carrie before, um, over 20 years ago, she was told by two specialists that she wouldn't be able to conceive children naturally. This started her deep dive into finding natural solutions for herself, and she didn't stop and found ways to heal her body. She has six formal qualifications along with numerous certifications, um, and she did indeed have her children naturally, and they're now teenagers, so it's a good news story. Uh, she's got over 20 years' experience assisting people and companies to exceed their performance expectations by ensuring they are healthy and balanced. While living in South Africa, she received numerous awards, was featured in magazines and newspapers. She had her own TV show, as well as her own radio show, a fellow radio host. She's passionate about creating vitality warriors and goddesses, teaching deep wisdom on creating optimum health, wealth, and joyful lifestyles to millions of people. Well, I'm excited to dive into so much of that knowledge today. We're just going to scratch the surface. We're going to be focusing on frequency activation for body and belief alchemy. Uh, but before we do that, I know you and I reconnected. So tell my, tell me, but also tell our audience, how have the last three years been for you and your family? Well, I think this has been such, um, and I have to say, a magical time. Because I know it's been a really difficult time for so many, but I think it's been such an eye-opening time for so many as well. And for me, who's always been in the health and wellness, well, you know, it, it, I had to stop my business that was operating out of a medical center and I had to work from home. But what that got me to do is that got me to connect with so many international people. 
And it was just such a beautiful time because when we dealing with online, it didn't have to, in my own mind, it's like, oh, I don't have to see people one-on-one. I can actually help people across the world. And so I've actually absolutely thrived in these last three years just by being you know, hugely genuine with, with, you know, being able to help others and offering advice, offering support, offering accountability. Um, there were definitely times where I was also like, oh my goodness, what is the world going through? You know, what is this time? But I think it's a magical time because energy's shifted and changed. And I think we felt that energetically in the world, but we felt that within ourselves as well. And so for me, a huge driving force behind what I do is about making sure that people are aware that they have total control over their own health and wellness. And if we know that and we take control over our own wellness, we can actually create the beautiful lives that we were meant to create and not wait around for other people to tell us what to do, but to rather do our own research, feel into things ourselves, make sure that we actually, it feels good and we believe what we are doing right for ourselves. And I think that's the message that I've been able to give to so many people over these last couple of years. And I have seen how their lives have transformed and changed and thrived. And um, and I'm excited about still what's coming. I'm really excited. So I think it was a, a platform of change for me, a time of change, a time to adapt. I did notice, though, people that couldn't adapt, that were stuck in the old ways, they really battled. They really, really battled. But I think this gave us an opportunity to relook at ourselves, relook at what we were doing in our lives, relook at how we were connecting with others and really deepen that, deepen that. So whether you deepen that within your own home or whether you deepen that online, I think if there was an opportunity for you to go deep with relationships, this was the time to do it. And I really feel like, yeah, I, I, I've I must be honest, I had the most brilliant three years. My, my business thrived, absolutely thrived. But I think it did have a lot to do with the mindset and it did have a lot to do with how healthy my body was and how confident I was with the choices that I was making about my own body and my own mind. Yes, exactly. And well, it's great to have a positive perspective come in um, and everyone's had honoring everyone's different experiences in the last three years. But I think there is a lot to be said. I agree with um, the impact of mindset and having a healthy body, it, but we'll get some resistance. You know, sometimes when I say phrases like, you know, you are the CEO of your own wellness, you know, I even had a family member, come, you know, come back to me. Well, actually she commented on my Facebook post and she said, literally word for word, I think you need to check your privilege, which I thought was quite a woke comment to come back at me and a little bit snarky considering she never private messages me. But anyway, um, pe- some people will think, oh, well, yes, it's, that's for some people that can afford organic. You know, they'll kind of go into those resistance places. So today we're going to dive into some practical things that people can do, some that might cost money and some that might not, so that they can raise their frequency. So we're talking about activating your frequency um, and your body and your beliefs. Okay, so what do you want to share with us first? So I think a good place to start is to realize that there's so much that actually does impact our physical being. But every time that I look at what our cells are doing, so internally, if our cells are vibrating at a really high frequency, we know that we well. 
If our body slows down, we know that things are not going well. And we see this with aging. With aging, naturally, our body slowed down. You look at a little toddler. A little toddler is high energy. Lots of, you can imagine what his, their little cells are doing in their bodies to bounce around all over. And then as we age, those cells just you know start slowing down and slowing down. But we all want to have a good quality of life. So how do we have a good quality of life? And this is to make sure that your frequency and, and everything that's happening within your body is at the best possible potential that it could be. And so a good place to start is to understand there's a lot that interferes. So there's toxins that interferes, but a big thing as well is your emotions and your thoughts. Your emotions and your thoughts get stored. And the reason why I talk about body and belief alchemy is because I have coached thousands of people on nutrition and they go, yes, 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 I've got this. I feel good. I feel good. And then after they finish a program, they go back into the old way of thinking. And this is your belief system. And so if you go back to old habits, you're going to live that life again. And it's a matter of we need to break those old habits. We need to actually get better realizations, become even more aware and more conscious. And the reason why I use the term alchemy is because alchemy is used to turn matter, anything like, um, you know, it was used to turn raw materials or, or things like um, uh, metal into gold. And this is what I truly believe. When you have that transformation, you turn your brain matter into your brilliance. Mm. And so you really start to shine who you truly, truly are when you have those breakthroughs. So, um, so we need to look at the body side of things and physically what toxins are coming in. And we also need to look at the belief systems and what toxins are there and what where they have come from and why they're still there after you've actually made some shifts and changes. And um, and when we look at emotions, if you if you really think about emotions, when we're living in a joyful state, we're at a very high frequency. We we, you know, people are attracted to people that are happy, they're bouncing off the walls as well. They really, really are um high energy. When you walk into a room, you know, wow, look at that person's energy. Whereas you'll see another person who's had a dreadful day or has had something happen to them or is living with a little bit of fear in them or is very, very stressed and living with some grief at the moment, that is a low frequency. It's a very low frequency. It's a low vibration. And so when you have those emotions that are living in your body, that's going to bring everything down in your system. So we need to, and I had a beautiful client this week and she got it. She really got it. She goes, oh my goodness. She says, I, um, I've got so many friends in Maui at the moment, and I know somebody that's lost their, their husband in Maui, and she says, but I was able to sympathize, empathize, you know, show all my sincere emotions around what was happening, but I didn't collapse into it. She said, I was so surprised that I was still very level-headed and I was still able to think, okay, so what could I do? What can I put in place? How can I support instead of collapsing into the emotion? And this is what a healthy body does. So when you've got a really healthy body and it's really in balance and you know that you've actually done the right things and the alchemy of your body in the cells are, are at a beautiful, beautiful vibration, you're able to handle the emotions. And so you don't collapse 
into those really, really deep, fearful emotions, you're actually more level-headed, your, your thoughts are very clear, you're more innovative, you're more creative. And so now you go, okay, here is an event that happened, but mm. through this event, how can I actually add value to that instead of collapsing and, and adding more aggravation to that event? And this is what happens in relationships. This is what happens in families. This is what happens in friend circles. But this is what happens in the outside community as well, is if there were more of us where our bodies, our physical bodies were healthy, we'll actually be able to add more value with what we're thinking and how we're feeling. And that is bringing the two together. So that's why I just, you know, I feel the magic in it both. There's so much in that. And, you know, often when I interview people, I always learn about myself as well. So as you're talking, I feel like I resonate a lot with myself being very level-headed, very able to hear things, exciting news, tragic news, et cetera, and not collapse. However, I wondered how much of that, I read, before you made that comment, I was like, how much of that is me being super non-empathetic versus being very in integrity and very, not? it's not even confidence, very... So I don't, get, I'm not shaken easily, if you know what I mean. Um, and I didn't know how much of that. It's not that I don't care, but it doesn't like affect me the way it does affect some people. And I just thought that was because I have a lot of friends that are very empathetic and they will get very affected by things. And I just seem more, and resilience, the wrong word. It seems too egotistical. Yeah. So you're hundred percent correct. And I th what I call that a clean body, mm. a clear body. A body that is really crystal clear about you do feel, you do have empathy, but you don't collapse. And that, I, and and so, um, Natalie, I know, I know your, you know, your eating and your, your nutrition and your health. I'm sitting here having like a chocolate protein smoothie right now. <laughs> <laughs> but you are really, you are living that, and I think people that do live that. They 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 do resonate with what I'm saying because there's such a beautiful place where you can come up against somebody that has had a horrific thing happen and rather be of service to them mm -hmm. instead of absolutely melting with them and, and not supporting at all. So when there is a strength in your body, it's not about being not empathetic. It is about being there for them holistically you are then able to serve them so much better so you're in a really good space and a really good place so please you know don't think anything else of of yourself it is really a good place to be yeah. it's so interesting and when you previously you mentioned your client that you'd worked with that said um you know oh they revert back and i was thinking that's so interesting because even though they've changed maybe their shopping list and they might be buying quote unquote healthy food and possibly eating healthy food but their mindset has reverted back and so let's talk about the power of the mind so even if you're healthy and you're doing all the things with the fitness and whatever if your mind's off it throws everything off right massive 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 and i think we've all heard this before about you know people that are stage 4 cancer and they healed themselves well, that was their thought. Other people stage for cancer. Well, I'm I'm finished in three months because that's that's the time limit that the doctor gave me, and so that's my time limit. And to that day, three months, you hear of people passing mm -hmm. away. That mind is that strong. It really is that strong. It it is the one thing that allows us to either believe that we're going to have a good life or throw us off course totally, really totally off course. So um, I truly believe in the belief alchemy, 
what happens there is we move through, and I do move through with my clients, I move through seven different steps of moving through the belief alchemy. And the first one is actually knowing that you're unconscious. So when people um, start with their first level of understanding is, is really knowing that there is a part of you that's totally unconscious. And so when you make the food choices that you make, unconsciously you might go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm busy, I'm, I'm frantic, my tummy is grumbling, I'm just going to grab a bar, whatever that, I'll, I'll grab a health bar, you know, never mind that some of those health bars are so full of sugar that it's not really a health bar, but I'll just grab something on the run instead of really feeling into your body. Are you truly hungry? Is it an emotional hunger? Do you think that possibly your body is asking for some water and hydration and thirst? What else is going on in your system? So the first level is to move away from being unconscious and really move to a level of breaking through that awareness and that sense of who you truly are in that moment. And so you can make better decisions. And so the seven levels actually go through, I have seven levels, but four different stages. And the stages is unconscious, moving to consciousness, moving to super consciousness, and then moving into your soul consciousness. So that's really, really uh, where I move people to. So the, the, the first level is obviously unconscious. Then you move into this awareness. Then you move into um, a place that I call separation. And you separate from those old habits. You actually break free from those old habits. And some of those old habits, you can even trace back to your childhood. Because they say before you're seven years old, you're just a sponge. You absorb everything. You don't just absorb from your parents. You absorb from your whole community. You absorb from your grandparents, from your aunts, from your uncles, from your cousins. Whoever was around you in those first seven years had such an impact on your life. And often you've absorbed that. And then you're still living that. I've had women in their 60s. I had this one lady. She's so beautiful. She goes, oh, my goodness. When I speak, I hear my mother speaking to me when I was a child. She says, I've taken that on. And I'm in my 60s. And I still haven't broken through that. I'm still talking that same language. Whereas her mother went through the war time. And she was told, finish everything on your plate. Because there wasn't much on the plate. Now we pile our plates. And you go, finish everything on your plate, and you wonder why we overeat. <laughs> so those are the type of things that people have stuck in their unconscious mind and in their subconscious, and it hasn't come through. It just comes through in the activities that you do. It comes through as old habits. So when you get to break those old habits, that's when you really see, what do I want in my life? I don't want to carry those, but what is true for me? And when you find out what is true for me, you, you bring your value to your authenticity and you start living from that place. And then you can start climbing this ladder to having a more magical life. And I, I often say when we get to level five, it's about rebirth. And you can imagine that phoenix coming out of the ashes and it's you, it's you rebirthing. But there's more after that. It's not just the rebirthing of the new you and how you're thinking about yourself, but it's also about connecting to who you truly are, which is a connection to your soul. It's a connection to your spirit, knowing that there is more to us. We are not just these physical beings. We're these physical beings that have manifested from a soul. And, um, and it's so beautiful because there's also a whole lot of resonance in that. If you think about your soul had to create some resonance before you became this physical form. 
And so in this resonance is our frequency, and that's what we absolutely living to this day. And then by, by the time we get to the level seven, it's, um, it's about oneness. It's about knowing that you are more than just an individual. You are connected to others. You, you do have um, a beautiful part of you that does want to serve others. You want to be here for others. And, um, and that's a magical part of your life. And so, yeah, so that's the journey that, that I normally take people on when I talk about belief alchemy. Do you feel like everyone or most people want to, as you said, serve others, you know, be here for others? I truly feel that, I mean, and there's a lot of people that are depressed nowadays. There mm -hmm. is a lot of people that are depressed, but I truly feel the one thing that gets people out of depression is when they start doing things for other people. Because when you can start doing things for other people, it might be something really small. It might be just making a meal for a friend next door. The gratitude that you feel from being in service to others far exceeds the feeling that you're actually feeling. So if you can start doing one little thing for in service to somebody else, you start feeling that. And I'm just a great believer in the more you give, the more you receive. The more that you're actually, you know, give with your, your palms wide open and just give free, freely, unexpectedly, you receive. It's just, it's just there. It's just, you know, the energy of, of the universe that we're in. It's the more you give, the more you receive. So the more that you can serve, the more that you can do for others, the more that you can actually um, use your talents, your knowledge, your experiences to transmute that into experiences for others. It's you are going to just soar. And, and when I think about it, look at, look at somebody like Tony Robbins, like he's doing it on a massive scale. But you look at him and you look at how fulfilled his life is. His life is really fulfilled. We can do the same, but on a small basis. We can do that just for our family and friends and fee feel just as fulfilled. I've definitely heard the similar thing said about um, anxiety. You know, if you're feeling anxious, uh, then being just taking a moment and being grateful because you can't be, is this, is this correct? You can't be in gratitude and, and have anxiety at the same time. Have I got that right? A hundred percent. And when I um, often speak to, to um, my coaching clients, I talk about them getting really in tune with their inner self-talk. And we, we often have negative self-talk. You know, when we really start thinking about what, what are the internal conversations that we have in our head, we all have them, by the way, we're not, uh, we're not schizophrenic, we all have somebody who's talking in our head and somebody who's listening. And then, and then like, who do you listen to? What are the little conversations that we're having? But a lot of negative self-talk can move to positive self-talk with gratitude. So the minute that you are truly, truly grateful, like really grateful, and, and it could be that you're grateful the beautiful sun is shining today, or you're grateful because the rain is watering your plants, or you're grateful for somebody, you know, being in your life, but then you deepen that and you start being really grateful for who you are. And you're grateful for the journey that you've been on. Even if it could be a traumatic journey you've been on, there's lessons along the way that you're so grateful that you've learned. Anytime there is gratitude, it does move you out of anxiety, deep stress, out of depression, because that gratitude is there for something beyond yourself. Yeah. I would love to hear from some of our listeners if this is resonating for you and if you're happy to share. 
what um, what you're grateful for on your journey. Maybe it's in the last three years. What are you grateful for? Even though there's been some challenges, let us know if you're happy to read us read it out. You don't have to put your name, but you can. Uh, you can send a text 2057 or email inbox at realitycheck.radio. And we would love to hear from you. Gratitude is so powerful. Um, what else have you got to share with us around these? I think you said seven steps and four other things. Uh, what else have you got to share with us around this um, frequency? If someone's feeling low or stressed or depressed, and they're, I, I do want to raise my vibration, Carrie, I understand it's a good idea. It's a good thing, but how do I do it? How? So I think this is when we go back and we've got to take a step back and go, the first thing we've got to do is look at this physical body. We really do have to look at the physical body. So the physical body is we have a lot of water in our body. Uh, we have a lot of water, but however, a lot of people don't flush that water out. So they're not putting new hydration into the system and we're not getting rid of the old. So I often um, use the analogy of um, if you think about a really um, a river that has been um, you know, blocked with some rocks you know, in the middle of the river and it starts really stagnating and it gets a little bit green and mossy and it really starts getting a bit smelly, you know, and it's because there's no fresh water that has come through that. Yet we tend, if we can open up the stones and open up the rocks and let it flow and let the new water flow through it, then we've still got all the bacteria in the microbiome, but it's now sparkling. It's now, it's now just a beautiful flowing river. That's what our intestines are like. Our intestines have got all the microbiome in there and they can get a little bit sludgy and a little bit stuck. And we need to flush that out. So water and hydration is so key for me, so key for me. If your skin is feeling dry, it's, it's actually a sign that internally you need more water. And I'd like to really offer this because I've done this with thousands of international clients. If you can drink, 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 drink during the day. So I, I'm always a huge fan of drinking between two and three liters of water during the day. Then after you've done that, you have one glass of water on the side of your, basically just before you jump into bed. So if you sit in bed and you have, you have a glass of water right before you put your head down on the pillow. If you do not wake up to go to the toilet. It's a sign that your body's hydrated. Okay. If you wake up to go to the toilet, it's a sign that your body needs more water. Really? Yes. Because think about what is that water doing during the day? During the day, your body is working hard. You're moving the body. The lymphatic system is moving. You're flushing toxins. So the body wants to flush the toxins. Then... When, at, when you sleep at night, your body doesn't want to wake up. It wants to rest. It wants to heal. It wants to regenerate those cells. So it wants to use that water in the cells to do the healing. But if you haven't flushed toxins during the day, the body's going to go, hang on a minute. I can't do my job. I still need to flush more toxins out. Mm. So a good way for you to measure if you're having enough water and if you're flushing enough toxins is to just do that little experiment at nighttime. You don't have to do it every night, but just do it just to test whether you feel your body is hydrated or not. And I've honestly done this with thousands of people, all different ages. I'm talking even people in their 80s. And it works. It works. If you've had enough water during the day, you still will not get up at nighttime to go to the toilet. 
Oh my goodness. Okay. This might be like massive game changer. I'm going to share this little secret with you and thousands of people across New Zealand. I literally will sleep through the night probably once or twice a year. Wow. Without having to get up at least twice to go to the toilet. Wow. We, I'm talking wheeze. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. So maybe I'll try a little experiment. So it's incredible, Natalie, because so many people, they go, but I drink enough water. I drink enough water. But it also depends on, well, what's your body trying to heal from? What's your body trying to flush out? So if you do, you need to up that by another at least 500 mils to a liter in the day. And then you'll see the difference at nighttime. Because some of the guidance around that, and I've tried this one, is like, you know, stop, drink, don't drink anything after 7 p.m., you know, that kind of a thing. Yes. So, but then I'm, maybe I'm dehy, and that's the problem. That's exactly it. That's okay. exactly it. And and I've done this to myself as well. I have drunk and drunk so much during the day, and I've continued to drink at nighttime, and I will not wake up to go to the toilet. So, but then if I've had a full day out and I've been in the sun, and I and I've exerted myself, and I've realised that I actually haven't drunk enough. I'll get up and go to the toilet in the middle of the night. Interesting. Yes, it's really fascinating, but try it. Just All right, it. listeners, we want to hear from you too if you're keen to do what I'm going to call the toilet test. No, the water experiment. No, the beds. Anyway, we're going to call it whatever you want, but let us know if you give it a go and it works for you. I'm going to definitely try that one. While we're speaking of water, are you talking about like I'm, filtered water is best? So filtering the water if possible. Do you add lemon or salt or apple cider vinegar? So I, 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 filtered water is just a must. doesn't matter where we are in the world. Um, you know, some countries have bacteria. Some countries have heavy metals in the water. Whatever, whatever we have, we need to filter the water. But honestly, just filtered still water is magic for our bodies, absolutely magic for our bodies. If you're a type of person that can't drink enough water, what I would do then is add the lemon, add the cucumber, add mm. the mint, add the strawberries, add the blueberries, add anything that's natural that is just going to change that taste a little bit and you'll be able to get more of that water in. Um, I'm a huge fan of doing a um, a water fast, but that's I think I think that's going to be for another, <laughs> another show. But um, I, when I am drinking loads of water, I then do put some either Celtic salt or Himalayan salt into my water so that it just actually allows my body to have more minerals. Mm. This is when I'm drinking five plus liters a day. Yeah. Okay. Some good tips there. You mentioned still water. So let's just touch on that. So it's not fizzy water because that's acidic. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. No, no carbonated water. Right. No and is that, is that generally a good tip to try to avoid carbonated water anyway, or is it just for this whole bedtime routine? No, I think it's really a good idea just to avoid it. You know, when you think about it, we're trying to alkaline our bodies. We, we're trying to make sure that our bodies are, um, and, and I think I just need to clarify, we need high stomach acidity. So the acidity in our stomach needs to be high in order to break down the foods. But the rest of our body needs to be alkaline. And so that is uh, the combination that we're needing. When we're putting carbonated water in, we're actually putting a lot of acidity into our body. And so, and, and people will, they'll go to the toilet a lot with that. And it's because their body actually just wants it out. It wants mm -hmm. it out all the time. So um, nice, just normal, natural, still water that you know has been filtered is just the key. Absolutely the key. Okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. And I love my essential oils. One that I love to help me drink more is green mandarin. It's so amazing. I'll just put a drop of that in 
Okay, I'm going to drink so much water today. <laughs> Come on, I'm so And happy. tonight and before bed, it's going to be great. Yeah. Then the I'm, next thing to look at with the body, because as we're trying to increase the frequency of the body, yeah. we need to also realize that we cannot survive without oxygen. So we do need those deep breathing exercises, or we do need at least the, the, um, the breathing through the nose. If we breathe through our nose, our sinus passages are actually, um, they're there to condition the oxygen to be absorbed into the bloodstream quicker. So if you're a mouth breather, Often you're actually getting too much in and the lungs, the lungs can't actually condition that oxygen and we don't get enough oxygen into the bloodstream. So breathe in really nicely and deeply through the nose. That is a huge, huge thing that we need to focus on. And then a study was done a number of years ago with just a lot of people all around the world looking for who lives the longest. You know, what are the type of people that live the longest? Where do they live? What do they eat? You know, what are their routines? And it was incredible because what was discovered is that the people that lived the longest had the largest lung capacity, which means they had a lot of oxygen in their body. And so the way that we can get a large lung capacity is to hold that breath. So that's why when you breathe in, you hold you breathe out because in the hold, you're bringing that oxygen right to the bottom of the lungs and you're actually utilizing the whole lungs. When you think about doing beautiful, rhythmic, deep breathing like that, it's also calming the system. And with us being so stressed nowadays, a lot of everything that we move through in our body can't be released because everything is so tightly held. But with deep breathing exercises, we're getting oxygen into the system. We're opening up the arteries and the veins. We're detoxing the body. So deep breathing is just, it's key. It's absolutely key for us to have a good, good, healthy body to help increase that vibration. Amazing. So we've talked about water. We've talked about breathing. You talked earlier about beliefs, like the the inner thoughts in our head. Um, anything else about the link between body and beliefs and this alchemy that you want to cover before I ask you the four questions? I, I want to say to everybody, and I know that it can be really difficult in today's world because of so much going on, but we got to have some fun. We just got to have yes. some fun. And so plan some fun events. Plan stuff where you're going to have a laugh. We have beautiful family game evenings. You know, just plan fun stuff to do in your life because having fun is going to increase your resonance. It's going to increase your frequency. It's going to help your mindset. It's going to help your body realize that it's a safe place to be able to do what you need to do. So I want to just encourage everybody, have some fun. <laughs> it's so helpful. And we're thinking, of course, I mean, I guess other people will be doing the same thing. I'm thinking for myself. I'm thinking for my clients. I'm thinking for my kids as well. All about, you know, the water. Great. You the breathing. Oh, I'm trying. I've got two mouth breathers in my family trying with the breathing. Um, if you guys missed my interview, I did an interview all about breathing with Dina Siniza. So um, definitely check that out as well. Um, and of course the mindset, and that's something that's ongoing, right? We have to keep working at it and keep catching ourselves when we lapse into critical or negative thoughts. 100%. Absolutely 100%. And it's amazing because the more that you are in a higher um, joyful state, the quicker you catch yourself spiraling down. Yeah. Because the joyful becomes the norm? It does. It yeah. does. The excitement, the positivity. You then look at things that happen in your life and you go, what is the good in that? 
Where, what's the lesson in that that I need to learn? What do I need to learn from that that I can actually help others with? You know, you look at life in a whole different way. And I have a beautiful, beautiful friend, 73 years old. Um, she's aiming to live at about 120. So she's really going for it. She's really enjoying her life. And when I look at her, I look at her and I think, how, Margaret, how are you always in such a joyful state? And she goes, I take everything in my life and I just love it. I love my life. I love what I'm doing. I love everything that's happening in my life. And I think if you come from life from a point of view of love and fun, it starts happening like that more and more. And you do start having a really, really healthy, healthy mindset. Um, and that's that's from, you know, from small little steps, but they gradually grow until you actually have this beautiful life. That's so great. You know, I have a, a motto myself, like it's kind of, if you don't love it, don't do it. And also I do, I do follow the joy. Like I do what lights me up and that's very in alignment for me. I'm a three, five generator in terms of human design languaging. And I really am to be guided by doing what lights me up not um, so much duty and obligation. Um, but what, so especially with what we are navigating at the moment. And I think what's also coming down the track, meaning more challenges, more opportunities for us to stand up, speak out, stand in integrity and everything. Um, being in a positive vibration is going to help us stay well, right? And not lapse back into poor mental health, but also body health. How, how do we do that? You know, if we get another kind of curveball thrown at us, I'm not going to name any names of what may be coming down the path, but you know, Yes. Given what we've been through in the last three years, how can we stay in that high vibe? Yes. A big thing is to remember that you are the average of the five people you most hang around with. So who is in your five? Who's in your circle of five? And so I would encourage people to get with like-minded people. Get with people that are going to up your vibration, that are going to have fun with you, that are going to just love life with you. You know, who are those people that you can really turn to and go, I'm having a bad day. You're going to pick me up. You're going to make sure that you're going to up my vibration. And every time I look at you, I'm smiling. I'm smiling. Who are those people? You need to surround yourself with people that are really, really going to be there for you through all the times, through the through the tough times, but are going to help you to realize why they have happening and to really, really make sure that you, you've you got it as much as what they've got it. So being in a community, being in a tribe, being somewhere where there are other people that can absolutely make you smile, I think is key. It's absolutely key. You know, that reminds me like the first time because you came to my networking club, my Empowered Connections Networking Club. And it's always interesting when people come and they try it out. And I'm like, you know, and my people are just doing their thing. They're just yeah. speaking their truth. They're just being who they are, which I love. And you, know, you, as many before you did, they you were like, yep, these are my people. You know, I'm in. And that is one of the reasons I started it. And I, I'm i a big believer in, I agree with you, the people you hang around um, in terms of matching and raising your own vibration. It's such a great time to be very intentional about who you're spending your, so your very valuable time and energy with. Absolutely. And that's what you said. It's intentional. 100%. And I've said this to a lot of people because what they've realized is that there's people really close to them in their life that pull them down and mm-hmm. they feel the energy being pulled down. And I said, you know, you don't have to be nasty to them, but you just slowly, slowly just start doing less with them. You know, you start having less activities with them, less experiences with them. You just slowly, slowly move yourself away from them and move yourself towards people that are actually going to spark 
you, light you up, really going to make you happy. And you'll find you'll find that tribe of people that just really think like that. And um, and as I said, you don't have to do it in a nasty way, but you just gently, gently move away and um, and do what's good for you. You know, do what feels good for you because that that is going to make you actually be there for others in the long run. I absolutely agree. All right. So, Carrie, can you share with us one thing you've done in the last year where you truly upped your brave? Wow. Okay. So um, I think for me, I am um, I'm so not, a, number one, a tech person or anybody that um, puts themselves out there on social media. I'll be very, very honest with you. Um, I, I, you know, so many people have said to me, you've got so much to share and you need to share more. And, and, um, and so I did this um, beautiful uh, photo shoot uh, where I, I, I did, I just thought, okay, um, um, I've got to have these professional photographs done and I've got to be able to, um, in order to help more people, I've got to let more people know that I'm around. And so that's a hard thing for me to do sometimes is to allow people to, to come into my space and to, you know, to really hear me. So, yes, I did this beautiful photo shoot with this wonderful, wonderful photographer and um, and we were on the beach and we had this beautiful, the rainy Tota Island in the background and we were doing this photo shoot and it was just so amazing because she was getting me to jump up. I had a dress on. She was getting me to jump up in the air and doing everything else and, and it just turned out to be so spontaneous and so beautiful and I think... Um, the big thing is learning something new and doing something out of your comfort zone for me is upping your brave. And so I've had to learn a little bit more about the technology of social media. I've had to put myself out a little bit more and it's scary. It's really scary sometimes when you go, you know, because, I think all of us are a little bit worried about what people think about what, you know, who we are and what we are, but the time is so right for me. I just feel so ready. Um, and so, yes, so I do have a beautiful program and retreats that I've put together and I thought people need to hear and, and I can help, I can help. And so in order for me to help, um, I've, I've had to step into a huge confidence side of me that sometimes is not there. It's not there. So, um, so yes, I think um, getting out of my comfort zone um, in this last year, Natalie, has been quite something that I've had to work on. So, um, so yes. I think that's that's probably what's coming to mind. <laughs> well, you know, I'm a huge fan of the power of photos and especially as we evolve as people, but uh, business owners and the message that we're putting across. I think you and I reconnected because I'm on your email list and you had an email about Vitality Goddess, your program. And I was like, that sounds like me. So that's when I reached out to you. And of course, having photos that are fully in alignment with what you're offering is is so important. So good on you. What is something on your bucket list? This is something that you'd love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we could possibly help you to do. Um, so a huge thing for me, and and I suppose because of everything that I've learned over the years and, and where I'm aiming to go is, yeah, Natalie, I'd love to speak to millions. I want to make an impact to millions. I, I, you know, to be able to stand on that stage and be able to just, you know, share the experiences of 
what what my clients have been through and how I've helped them, but how I can just help so many more. And so for me, what drives me is opportunities to be able to speak like we're doing right now and opportunities to be able to share and opportunities to be able to touch more people and to be able to help as many people as possible. I think um, this world really is in a place where we need to take our own um, health and wellness in our own control. And I'd love to be able to help people and coach people to say, you can do it. You absolutely can do it. Um, and here's some steps that you can do to, to obviously implement it and do it. Um, but yes, I'd love to get out there more and talk to more people. You know, I often say that I help the people who help the people. Yes. And so if we can help Carrie, everybody, because she helps the people, if we can help Carrie to get out to more people, that's her bucket list, but it's also massive, massive impact. And I do think health and wellness is something that people are starting to want more understanding on how their body actually works and the impact of emotions and mindset and also nutrition, which is since you've certified in so many, so many different things. Perfect. So if anyone has any connections for that or any ideas, get in touch with Carrie. How can we get in touch with you? Uh, so I, I, I now have all social media <laughs> handles. So I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Um, my website is kerrydell.com or um, kipshealth.com. Um, so yes, just reach out to me with any of those social medias and I'll be there. Okay, so kerrydell.com, I'm going to spell it because Carrie can be spelled many different ways. K-E-R-R-Y, Dell, D-E-L-L.com. And Keps Health, is it K-E-P-S? Exactly. Health.com. Com. Got it. Yeah. Amazing. You guys can get in touch with Carrie. What is coming up for you, either in your life or in your business, in the next few months? Well, I am super, super excited, actually, because... Um, there is um, a retreat that I'm putting together, which is the Body and Belief Alchemy Retreat. Here in New Zealand, I'm doing a two-day uh, immersive retreat. I've got one coming up on the 28th of October and then another one on the 16th of November. And then early in the new year, I'm doing a more intensive immersion, which is six days. And here in New Zealand, it's going to be the uh, 5th of February. But I'm also going to be doing one in South Africa, which is going to be at a bush lodge because a lot of my clients have said to me, you know, the energy of a land is so different. And I said, absolutely. The energy of New Zealand is so different to the energy of South Africa um, and to get in touch with nature. So I'm on the retreats here. I think it's a beautiful time for us to get away from our normal routines, get out into nature. It's on an island um, and no contact with anybody for two days. Or if you choose the six day one, we, we going to move into some silence for that as well and then in the um in the african bush it's really about connecting with the wild animals and the wilderness and and feeling that energy um because that is helping to nurture the nature and so um and so yes i've got those retreats coming up which i am super super excited about um i actually head back to um south africa in a month's time and I'm there just setting everything up and making sure that we're all on track for the new year. Um, and I'm attending my niece's wedding. She lives in Brisbane, but she's going back to Cape Town to get married. So I've got a beautiful family reunion to mm. attend um, in the month's time as well. So that is so exciting. So exciting what you've got coming up. And I love the concept of that body and belief alchemy retreat. Amazing. All right, Carrie, before we wrap it up, is there anything else you want to share with our audience today? I think, uh, you know, 
what is coming to the forefront of my mind right now is um, is you know just don't forget to have fun. You know, you've heard the saying over and over, you know, laughter is the best medicine. And so if it means that you've, you know, you've got to look for something, you know, on social media that makes you laugh, if you've got to plan an event, but really, really um, the time to have fun in your life is now. It's now more than ever. Let's, um, let's up our frequency by having a lot of fun. Amazing. Thank you so much, Carrie, for joining us today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Carrie Dell talking about frequency activation for body and belief alchemy. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie. I just loved that conversation with Carrie, and I hope you did too. She is so, so qualified. Carrie is literally, she's a certified wildfit coach, an approved Mind Valley coach, certified in nutrition, anatomy, and physiology, meridians, geopathic stress, and holds a diploma in hypnotherapy, reflexology, and aromatherapy. She also has spent 20 years in personal development programs. No wonder she's so in demand. She's doing that amazing retreat um, next year in South Africa and another one in Auckland um, on an island coming up in November. So you can find out about Carrie on carriedell.com or you can go to kepshealth.com and learn more. We'll also pop the info on the replay page. In this interview, we talked about a bunch of stuff, including uh, flushing the sludge, the importance of having high stomach acidity, but alkaline in your body. We talked about quality of life, the power of emotions and thoughts, and the concept of circle of five. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your reflections. As always, you can text them in 2057 on the text. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. At this point in the show, as we are nearing the end, I often will do a sneak peek or a flashback to a previous interview. Given that I've been talking a lot today about the River of Freedom, the Wellington um, protest, peaceful protest, and the Freedom Convoy, I'm going to play a small clip from the interview I did with Jeanette Wilson on Stand Up and Speak Out. And she was the woman, you may remember, who had her sternum crushed by the police. There's, it's actually in the documentary, so it's got video um, footage, evidence, if you will. Um, and so here's a little flashback of her talking about that experience. I believe that in Australia at the moment, at least there's been some um, class action suits and people are getting some, some people are getting some financial retribution. I don't know if that will, I imagine it might happen in New Zealand. Have you heard about anything like that? Uh, no, I've, I've not about people losing their jobs per se. I have heard about Casey Hutchinson, a class action there for her injury. Uh, and I'm also doing one with people that were injured at Wellington. That's that's how I'm standing up and speaking out. You get to realise you can't fight all the battles. So pick and choose the ones that you can, where you're knowledgeable. And, and I tend to find that the higher power puts you into the place where you can make most difference. Mm. Um, so because I did have my sternum broken by police at Wellington, I was one of the worst injured on the third day of the protest. Uh, what really shocked me was, apart from the injury, of course, itself, and then assault, I was assaulted by five different police officers when I'd done nothing wrong, broken no laws, been entirely peaceful. And even with a broken sternum in absolute ang- agony, I was still very, very peaceful and, and polite with people. Um, that the media then just completely cover it up, that, you know, the mainstream media is just, you realise it is just propaganda. The, the day after 
the 10th of February. So um, it was only the third day of the Wellington protest. 90 of the public were injured 30 seriously. It never got on a single radio station in a single newspaper. The newspapers said two police were injured. And for anybody that was there, you know, there was a huge outcry from the people, which meant more people then turned up at Wellington because we knew what had happened. The TV three and one hadn't reported it properly, but people had recorded it on their cell phones and the police turned on the people. It was just unbelievable. I'd never have believed it if I hadn't seen it myself. And I mean, many months have passed since then. And I think more people are realizing they weren't quite told the truth about that. I mean, for me, I was literally on the phone with some people close to me and I was saying, goodness me, you know, some of my friends are messaging me from Canada because they've heard about how the police have been behaving. Um, mm. And they were like, oh, where did you hear that? Like I got attacked for even insinuating that the police had behaved poorly. Meanwhile, my international friends were hearing all about it. We heard nothing about that in New Zealand, only about how poorly the protesters were behaving, which as you and I and many know now, that was absolutely not the case. Absolutely. Yeah. A very, very peaceful crowd of really decent human beings that were there for everybody else, you know, uh, wanting the mandates ended. And now for something a bit different. I'm not going to do a sneak peek this week. I'm going to do something a bit different. When I went to school in back in Canada, we had to memorize tons of poems. And I don't know if kids do that these days. I'm sure some of you memorized poems and you had to present them to your class. Maybe that's where I started my speaking career. I don't know. But I came across this poem recently. Uh, actually, yesterday, I started reciting it to my daughter off memory in the kitchen. There were lots of gaps. I couldn't remember the whole thing. But I really thought, wow, this is actually very relevant for these times that we are living through at the moment and what we've been going through. And the importance of how we respond, especially now in September, where it's all about clearing out bad energy, bad, you know, negative things in our life, and but also not being too waiting, waiting, waiting for someone to save us or something to happen, to be more at peace and allow things to unfold. So here it is. This is If by Rudyard Kipling. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies or being hated, don't give way to hating and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss, and lose, and start again at your beginnings, and never breathe a word about your loss. Oh my gosh, this is emotional. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. 
I'm almost done. <laughs> if you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Ooh, powerful. Keen to hear your thoughts, keen to hear if you had to memorize that poem when you were young. It means a lot. I don't know why it resonates so much for me, especially after watching River of Freedom. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much for listening today to our show where we focused on caring for yourself and others while standing your ground. And it's been an interesting time and it sure will be going forward, but um, hopefully you're leaving uplifted, motivated, and hopefully some of you are going to go see the River of Freedom. You can learn more about me and my business, which is all about visibility, vitality, and extraordinary impact, uh, including networking and coaching for coaches and healers or human design and essential oils. It's all there on my website, which is upyourbrave.com. Thank you so much for those of you that are uh, members of Reality Check Radio, the Founders Club. We are meeting on Zoom for a catch-up a webinar um, on Sunday. So I'll see some of you Sunday night at 8 p.m. If you love RCR, please go ahead and share a link with a friend and let us know what you want more of. Until next week, it's been amazing to see you, hear you today, to be with you today. Um, and until next week, remember to stand strong, be who you are, and remember to up your brave. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to Counterculture with Marie Busky on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Radio.